Life's a beach, ain't it? I don't know. I walked around as a potato. (laughs) (laughs) Hello! Hello, welcome to Screen Weems, the only screen where you got your weens out. And you don't have to tell your grandma this week, because we're watching... A bunch of your grandma's your, movies. Yeah. Your grandma is... If your grandma's Agnes Varda, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to talk to you. I guess that would mean you're either, what, Matthew or Rosalie's? Yeah, I uh, think that's what it was. So I think they... I think Rosalie had three kids and Matthew has one. Oh. So... Yeah. Huh. Because they show that in yeah. Features of Agnes, I think. Um and they're all they're all adults by now because I think the kid and actually maybe there's a chance no that they are because well at least the ones they show in Beaches of Agnes because uh, yeah. I think the kid and the like youngest is probably about our age now oh weird it's weird to think about <laughs> huh it's just weird it's something it's weird watching like old documentaries because it's like that person is dead yeah like it's it. You see the same thing when you're watching, like, an old movie, but mm. within an old documentary, it's like, well, this is an actual person. It's not just, like, a character played by the person. Yeah. So, like, everything they're saying is messages from a ghost. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Anyway, we watched six Agnes Varda films this week. Yes, we did. Did you get a chance to watch anything else? No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. it was, what, three days? Yeah, we had, or, I guess... Technically, four. This being the fourth? Yeah. Okay. Because we had, well, yeah, well, we technically had Wednesday after we left, but that uh, was like four hours left of Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, no, I, I had to go like, straight to work technically today. Yeah, so like three and a half days to watch yeah. these six. And I'm like, and we knew we knew what they were like two weeks in advance, too. And I, I was just like, yeah, I should probably do that because we won't have a lot no. of time. And then I just did it. Literally, literally every time we do this, I'm like, yeah, two weeks in advance, let me know. And then I don't watch them until like the final two days. I'm like, <laughs> well, it's yep. just like, it, I like watching them I like right it before fresh. because yeah. it's fresh. And like, I feel like I I've, to- I've stopped taking a lot of notes on movies because it feels like a... I'm just regurgitating information that I'm not, like, really believing anymore. It's just, yeah. it feels too clinical in my approach of it. And just speaking from, like, my heart, I feel is a better option. But when it's, like, been more than, like, three days, then I'm like, okay, maybe I need notes. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I operate, too. I've considered, like, watching, like, on a typical week, not necessarily with the deep dives, but... uh like, watching them at, like, the beginning of the week, like, right after we do them, and then, like, right before again, but... I'm just really afraid, like, one of them I'm gonna really, like, dislike the first watch, and I'm like, ugh! No, I... (laughs) I have to rewatch. I do that a lot, too, and especially when it's, like, we have ones that are, like... They might not be long, but they'll feel long. Like, they'll just... It, it might not even necessarily be a bad movie. It'll just like yeah, the just pace I don't know. Like even rough. even like unless a movie's really good, if it feels long, I don't really want to watch it again. Yeah, like exactly. if I give if I'm gonna give a movie a six out of ten and it's like two hours, but it has like really slow pacing, I don't I don't ever see myself watching that movie again. Not because I love slow pacing, but. I just don't really see it. I don't really see a point in re-watching a 6 out of 10 movie most of the time. Yeah, unless there's, like, 
some like iconic moments in it that I can remember. And then like years later, I'm like, yeah. oh, what's the rest of the movie like? And I want to like yeah. re-experience it or something. But in that case, it feels more like there, there are some six out of tens that are like a six out of ten. And then there are six out of tens that are like, this is like an eight out of ten and a four out of ten. Yeah. And I would rather, like, I, I could rewatch one of those because it has those, like, brilliant moments. But, like, just a really, like, just slightly above average movie, like, through and through, mm-hmm. I'm just like, no. Yeah, like, Last of Living, that movie's, like, terrible. But that priest scene, that's top-notch cinema <laughs> right there. Remember when he hit the, he goes, he says his pun? Remember when they, like, sexually harass a woman the entire runtime? <laughs> <laughs> You remember that effect that they tried to pull off where they just did the pinch effect mm-hmm. on the zombie's face? And it's like, oh, it's a zombie. See, the face is decomposed. <laughs> um, I don't... I don't really think I watched anything else, really. Oh, except I did watch uh, The Turning, which just came out in the theaters. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched your... Uh, the, the review? Yeah. yeah, that one was fucking awful. Like, the trailer looked pretty bad, but I was like, okay, well, it has Brooklyn Prince, Mackenzie Davis, and Finn Wolfhard, which I'm all, I'm a fan of, like, all three of them. Mm -hmm. And it was just fucking garbage. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Um, and then The Gentleman was really good. Um, Yeah, I saw that you liked that Yeah, I I still haven't seen, like, the the first few Guy Ritchie films, which I've heard are his best, but... Hmm. Because have you, have you seen, like, Snatch? I've heard Snatch is really good. No, I haven't seen Snatch. I don't... What what else has he directed? Uh, he did, like, The Man from U.N.C.L.E. He did the the two Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr., which I remember liking, like, when they came out. I saw the first one when it came out, but... It, like, yeah. I, I, I rewatched them, like, a couple years later, and I'm like, they're, like, they're like okay. They're yeah. not, like, terrible. Um, the Man from U.N.C.L.E. Uh, he did Aladdin... 2019 one. Oh yeah, which I, I that's that's probably the other one that I like enjoyed from it. it was, like it wasn't great or anything, yeah. but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, he's kind of he's. Oh, and he did the King Arthur movie from like three years ago. Oh yeah, so, that was bad. I, I, I saw him in theaters with Joe, I think, in Hawaii. So aside from the first Sherlock, I haven't seen any of his works. Yeah, but I've heard that like uh, I think it's Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I've heard that movie's, like, really good, hmm. as well as Snatch. Okay. Those came out in, like, 90 and 2001, I think, something like that. Ah. Um, and then I watched, uh, uh, are you familiar with the horror film The Boy? I've heard of it. It's I haven't seen it. I know, I know that it, like, just got a sequel. Yeah, it's getting a sequel. Like, it, it's it's so dumb. Um, we, Me and Pierre were going to rewatch The Boy so that, because I'm going to see the new one in theaters because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, but instead, I'm just like, you know what? Let's just watch, like, we, we watched a movie called The Doll instead. Which Yeah, I, I, I saw three of those stacked on my letterbox, like... Recent from friends, I saw uh, that you, yeah. Joe and Pierre. Oh yeah, that. Joe watched the doll too with us. So, um, yeah, those movies are really bad. Huh. Uh, but I, I love watching like haunted puppet movies that yeah. are really bad. Hmm. Most of them are very bad. <laughs> um, there is a scene in the first one where there's like a ghost that's tr- like. 
it's like an evil spirit of a little girl. Okay. But she's dressed in like a raincoat and you can't see her face and she just looks like a Jawa. And she's just like, she's just like, hello, I'm hungry. And the woman's like, come on in and have some soup. And she's just sitting at the table with her hood on. You can't see her. Have you ever seen uh, Milo? It's like a horror Is movie. Is the one with the like weird alien looking thing? Um, no. At least I don't recall. It's about like, Oh, I don't remember the specifics. Like a boy drowned in a river when a bunch of like. Oh, I was thinking of like, Bad Milo. This one. Oh yeah, no, I, I watched like the first twenty minutes of that one on Netflix. One Milo. Time. Oh yes, the, you're the only one on my letterbox that's rated it. Oh, am I? Yeah. That's that's like a based off memory rating. Yeah. I haven't watched it any time since I was oh, like. Oh, I kid. see the poster. Is that is that person wearing blackface? No, it's just meant to be like, you can't see his face. I'm in a shadow. <gasps> dun, dun. Um, I liked it when I was a kid. It's probably pretty bad now, if I had to guess. Nice. What did I rate it? A five out of ten. Uh, that might seem appropriate. There are a lot of five out of ten movies. Yeah. What happens? There's a lot of every movie, I guess. Though there's just a lot of movies. That's that's, that's what happens. Um, and then I I think that was pretty much it for my watches. Haven't haven't really done a whole lot of watching. Um, oh, I watched, which is funny. They brought it up in um, in I think the Beaches of Agnes, uh, La Jete. I watched that, like, before I watched The Beaches of Agnes. Hmm. It's a, uh, it's like a sci-fi story. It's about, like, time travel and stuff, but it's told just through narration and just still shots. Okay. So, pretty much just a photo, like, it's just photographs and narration and, like, sound cues and stuff. I think. It's really good. I think I might have that on my hard drive. It's, it's really good. It's on the correct I know I've got channel. a movie that's still shots, and it does begin with an L, so. It's probably that. It's... And as soon as I watch it, I'm like, I have an idea for a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've always thought, like, still shots were, like, a neat idea with movies. Because when I was a kid, I had the basketball VHS. Mm -hmm. And uh, on that, had the trailer for Buffalo 66. And uh, the trailer for that was, like, Heart of the Sunrise by Yes. And it was all, like, still images. Mm. And I thought the whole... I always thought, like, the whole movie was going to be like that. And I was like, that's cool. I like that. Well, it's like, uh, I specifically watched it because it's in the, there's the Adventures in Movie Going series on Criterion, Mm, where they talk to, like, one relevant celebrity, and they go through, like, some of their favorite movies and talk about the reasons why they like them. And Ryan Johnson was talking about La Jetée. Yeah, that's, like, one of his favorite, like sci-fi films because it plays with like the format uh, and okay. I, I agree uh, he was talking about how like still images capture something that moving pictures can't oh yeah like uh, especially like I, th- I think that like there needs to be more horror films that use still images because there's something like really ominous about a still oh, image yeah. especially, you know? especially if it's not like a technique that's used throughout the whole movie but just for like specific scenes of horror or something like okay. I could see like David Lynch yeah. really utilizing like still images where it like gets well and even, even see, just like, like still shots that like are just static shots of like nothing really in the room like if they just hold on that for like 20 seconds that can be like really like 
nerve-wracking. Yeah. One of my favorite things about, like, French New Wave movies is when they do, like, the, like, kind of, like, motion, and then, like, they'll do, like, the freeze frame kind of thing where they start to zoom in, like, the end of uh, the 400 blows, if you've seen that. No. I'm sure you've probably seen the shot from it. Probably. It's the boy on the beach. It's 400 blows by fucking... Truffaut. Oh, Truffaut. <laughs> Welcome to the episode about Agnes Varda where we learn that Godard is a fucking asshole. Yeah, no kidding. I already, I, yeah, I was like... I, I remember, had my suspicion. I remember watching, like, because I've, I had seen Faces Places before. Oh, I had. Yeah, I, I saw. I've, I had seen that and Cleo before. Oh, okay. So these were rewatches for me. Um, and I, I remember faces, places. I'm just like, go dark, that fucking asshole. Yeah, I've only I've only seen one of his movies, which is uh, Breathless. I mean, I've heard Breathless is great. I I liked it. I thought it was pretty 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 geese. There, there was a, there was a movie. He did like an autobiography at one point, and there was a movie based on that that was made like two years ago or something. Hmm. Um, and when he like learned it was coming out, he's like, "This is fucking pointless" or something. So on the letterbox, that's like the tagline for the movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, isn't he the one? I don't know if it's him or Truffaut, but I know, like, one of them went on to make, like, those, like, 3D movies where it's, like, two different scenes going on in each eye. I don't know, but that sounds It's got, like, intense. the dog on the poster. I remember, like, YMS talking about it in one of his uh, best of the year reviews. Hmm. And he's like, it's not a great movie, but, the, you know, it's definitely unique, and I've never seen another film do this, so... I think it's definitely worth checking out for the experience type deal, but I haven't seen it. Hmm. Nor do I have 3D glasses, so. Well, you have 3D eyes. That's technically true. Kind of, I think. I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, quite an accurate description. I don't know what the term... Ah, fuck. I'm rambling. I feel like it was probably Godard. I Yeah, it was either Godard or... He did Godard a lot more or... stuff. He's still alive, too. Yeah, no, I looked it up I after this true. movie because I was like, I have to find and see if he's commented on why he did this to Agnes, which I couldn't find yeah. Jack's shit. has been dead for like 35 years. Okay. So I, yeah. Oh, yeah, then it was definitely Goddard. Goddard. I am your new Goddard. I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> um, it is me, your... Captain Jean. Do you remember Goddard. when I was talking about that movie Donkey Skin? A couple it was probably like a month. I remember ago. the title. What's that? It was like a musical um, based on an old like French uh, fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's by uh, Jacques Remy, uh, Agnes oh. Varda's husband. Oh, okay. Huh. Which I had heard of his name. I didn't know they were married though. Yeah. And I was just like, when I was watching, it, I'm like, wait. Is that because I, I I knew the other films he'd made, those were the more popular of his works, and I was just like, "What the fuck, man? Fuck Jean Goddard! I'm still pissed at him. I I wonder if they like actually got to like sit down and talk before she died. Knowing knowing him, probably not. Oh gosh. Oh man. Because he did, uh, they talk a little bit about it, but the Umbrellas of, uh, Cheborg, that's, like, his most well-known film. Uh, 
Jean Lucas. Uh, Jacques Demy. Oh, okay. He loves the musicals. Yeah. And can you blame? Is there anything like Donkey Skin? I'm sure I would really enjoy them. Hmm. Um. Yeah, that's all I really watched. Okay. Question time. Okay. Only one set of questions this week. Oh boy, I wonder who. Uh, from Pierre. Oh, really? Ooh, ooh, local furries in your area want you. Ooh, ooh, and also some questions. Oh. Hey, it's the only true screener. I'm not calling myself a weenie, and I got the questions. Didn't we. What. Was weenie what we decided on? I don't know. I, have we. It's we had this weenie. discussion, it's didn't we? It's probably weenie, but Pierre can be the screener. All right. He's the only one, though. The rest of you who listen are weenies. <laughs> you fucking weenies. <laughs> How do you feel about the concept of hero-turned-villain? Also, what about villain-turned-hero? I'm you for it. Live long enough. Or did you... Or whatever, you die. Die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain? I think... I well, don't that's know. That's a good line from the Green Goblin. That is. In Spider-Man, directed by Samothy Raimi. Yeah. Anyway, it's actually directed by Mark Webb. Um, what? That's the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, that's which one that quote's from. That's not true. I'm pretty sure it is. You're fucking with me. That's not true. That quote is definitely from The Amazing Spider-Man. It's not true. It's, it's from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Electro says it, okay? No, it he does it right before he falls in the fish tank and becomes a villain. <laughs> he goes, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And he falls into the fish tank. Does he actually? I know it's from the first Spider-Man, but knowing Mark Webb, I could see him redoing it in that. Wait, hold on. Are we shitposting still? Or No. It's from I, The Dark Knight. I mean, it's also in Spider-Man 1. Is it? I swear to God it is. I, I haven't watched I, the first I, Maybe I'm fucking lying. <laughs> you might be. I was just going along with the shit folks. <laughs> no, you're lying to me. It's not in that Spider-Man movie. It's in the first Spider-Man movie. Um, I think, to answer your question, Pierre, um, I don't know. It depends on how much detail and how much characterization is put into it, because both the concept of hero turning villain and villain turning hero are pretty pretty cliche at this point. You know, it's been done a lot. I mean, we've only got like what seven basic plots that we can just kind of remix around. So I don't know. I like to see I like to see some variety in there, some new twists and turns I wouldn't have seen before. Maybe not so black and white. Like, I'm, I, I don't know. I kind of like the middle ground of anti-heroes, personally. But, uh... Was he asking if I liked them? Yeah, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think anti-heroes kind of add a lot more variety because they're about the gray that's in between and can lend itself to more interesting character arcs. But, I don't know. It's pretty all right, I guess. Can be done well, can be done poorly. Just depends on the execution. 
Why don't you like monkeys, Pierre? What the fuck? What did Jack do to you? Has he watched that yet? No. <laughs> Are you looking for that quote still? Yeah, I mean, like, they say it. He pretty much says it in Spider-Man, just in more words. Okay. Because do you remember he, he paralyzes Peter, and he's like, we can join forces. And he's like, you chose your path, and I chose mine. And everyone loves you. But soon enough, they'll turn against you. And he pretty much says, you'll see yourself become a villain. Oh. He just says it more. It's a better line. Yeah, probably. Spider-Man's an amazing movie. I ha- I haven't seen it in a good good long while, but I remember liking it quite a bit. A 27-year-old plays a high schooler. Yeah. I mean, Tom McGuire has a baby face, though, so whatever. Yeah. At least when he was 27, it was fine. Yeah. Now he's got, like, the sunken eyes of, like, a depressed man that's addicted to, like, horse races. He's not, but he, like... Kind of looks like somebody that what, would be. What is it he does? Doesn't he competitive like, puzzling? Competitive. I knew he did something. Good for him. That's cool. All right. Uh, if you had to decide one group of people from the following categories to take priority during an escape from a planet-wide cataclysm and carry on civilization, who would you choose? Who would be the lowest priority? A engineers. B, artists, C, scientists, D, military personnel, or E, unskilled refugees. And then uh, the unchosen will still escape, but be in smaller numbers. Oh, man. This, what a fucking question. Um, See, here's my thing about engineers and scientists. They're like, most of them will be extremely... uh, incompetent in recreating the earth kind of thing. Like, they're really good at the stuff they're doing now. Yeah. But if you reset the earth and you had to, like, build it from the ground up again, they wouldn't know how to do, like, half the things. Or actually way more than that. Like, most people wouldn't. Yeah, plus those careers are, like, so diverse and have so many different, like, kind of branching arms that it... Honestly... In this situation, I'd probably rather have, like, the unskilled refugees, because then it'd be, like, a fresh start completely, with no uh, outside influence from, like, these, uh, from the scientists or engineers and stuff. Yeah. Like, theoretically, if you had, like, an artist, like, all the artists recreated, you could make, like, a bohemian paradise, but, or they might just not be able to make, like, a fire and they just die. Yeah, exactly. I don't want military personnel to fucking restart the fucking world, though. Definitely not. That would be my lowest priority. That's my lowest. <laughs> um, alright, yeah. Uh, military, my lowest. My highest. Engineers, so they can make a trebuchet. Pro- probably... Scientists, engineers, the 
the plebs, I don't know. Whatever. The unskilled refugees. I don't know. Like every time when Pierre says that, I'm just like imagining like people like aliens. They're not even like you they're like showing up with backpacks and they're just like, We're from Mars. Huh. And then artists, military. As much as I love art. It's, yeah. Art will always exist. Yeah, it'll always exist. Artists will always come out of the woodwork. Exactly. Lastly, how big of a spider would it take to defeat David Lynch in his physical prime? I think Pierre actually thinks David Lynch is, like, stronger than I do. Because then he says, I think that it would at least need to be as large as a Honda Civic. That's a giant spider. Oh, man. That's pretty small compared to what I was thinking. Oh, are you thinking, like, the the spider from, like, Lord of the Rings? I was a a little bigger. A little bigger? Wow. A little bigger. Like her boyfriend, like her boyfriend that's like dub, double or something. Like if Shellob, is that the name of the spider? I think so. Yeah, if, if Shellob was a baby, that spider's mom. Little baby. Yeah. I don't know. Babies are some t- Have you seen a baby spider? It's like one. 15th the size of a spider. Alright, compare it to the percentage that, like, a 12-year-old would, like, grow in height to be, like, a full-grown adult. I don't know. Like a regular 12-year-old or, like, a me 12-year-old? Like a regular 12-year-old. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say close to that. Somewhere between the Honda Civic and... And we're talking about, like, prime David Lynch here, right? Like, in his, like... Yeah. 30s, 40s. Yeah, with like 30s. when he was training with the sword. I mean, this man. He probably does some kind of. He studies meditation. Yeah, no, this dude's probably like secretly a Super Saiyan. <laughs> That's why his hair's like that. Yeah, it's from exactly. too many transformations. <laughs> it's just stuck up. And then he just. He, he levels it out, though, because he drinks a lot of coffee and smokes a lot of cigarettes. And talks to a lot of monkeys. Mm-hmm. My he can speak monkey because he's, yeah, they he's, talk back though. So it's yeah, like, because he's transformed into a great ape before. How awesome would it be if he just did like a little like series of like Doctor Doolittle murder detectives? Type what if stuff? what if the Doolittle movie instead of Robert Downey Jr. was just David Lynch walking around? Are you a communist? I need to find the Elephant Man. I am not an animal. Then why can I talk to you? And I'm like, you can talk to humans, too. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Okay. Uh, Okay. What's your idea? It's a movie about... (laughs) Just look at him. Okay. A man... Goes to a market downtown, and he he just has this dream that leads him there one morning. This is where the film starts. He wakes up, and he's like, I gotta get to that market. And he doesn't know why, but he's like, there's something there, and it called me from my dream. And he gets there, and it's a ceiling fan that he finds. But it's got, like, I don't know, nude paintings of celebrities on each one of the, like, little fanning blades and it's like they're wooden and he's like wow this looks like a cool novelty item i'm glad that it called me from my dream 
but a bunch of gangsters want it because it's signed by all these celebrities. I don't know. But so he's got to like run from the gangsters and keep the ceiling fan safe. But it just keeps escalating and getting more and more bonkers as the film goes on. Okay. Here's my idea. Okay. Um, a man uh, is told by a fortune teller that he's going to die soon. Oh! Where have <laughs> um, I heard this one before? However, uh, his, his wife just left on like a trip. This is like pre like cell phone, so he can't really get a hold of her, and he's like convinced he's going to die like very very soon. So he's like, I I have to catch up with her, and tell her how much I love her. So it's just like him like chasing this like train that she's on. So he like it's it's like a like a travel movie. It's like around the world in eighty days, like one of those. He just like keeps getting on a bunch of vehicles and like running after her, trying to catch her, and she keeps like getting off and getting on another train. He's like, no, and he's like. Running after her. Okay. Huh. It's kind of like a dark comedy. Because he's like, I'm going to die! Does he get more sick as the movie gets? No, he's like he's like feeling fine. And then he's like, I'm fine! And then he like gets hit by the train. Ah. And then she gets off and she doesn't even notice. Wow. Great. I <laughs> love it. Genius, London. Woo! Woo! All right. So... Usually with these uh, director picks, we talk about their life quite a bit before we get into the movies. However, The Beaches of Agnes is pretty much just an autobiography in a documentary form. Yeah. So we'll mostly be talking about her life once we get to that point. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first movie we're talking about is 1950. Seven? Seven, I think. 1957. Let me check my list. Oh, we also have a list of um, our rankings for the film and then what we think the other person's rankings are. So we'll, we'll tell it at the end. Okay. We'll go, okay, so this is what I thought you had and this is what you actually had. Um... Oh, sorry. 1962 was Cleo. Whoa. I believe her first, first film, film was 56. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. The, the uh, like point, what? Ooh, yeah, point me point. toward I can't country remember. road. I can't remember the Take name of Take me home. Name of the place. Because I know I had La Pointe Court. Ah, yes. La Pointe Court. La Coupa. I've heard that one's pretty epic. Yeah, I, I like the uh, concept of it. Seems oh, neat. I did watch um, just the standalone version of the short film that's in Cleo from 5 to 7. Oh. It's it's pretty much the same thing, except in Cleo from 5 to 7, you're seeing it from like this angle because she's like looking through a window. So it's like, so it's just centered pretty much. Oh, okay. But I, I wanted to watch that like by itself. Before I watched Cleo from 5 to 7, just to see how, like, it I worked by yeah, itself. I didn't even know that it had a different short film in yeah. it. All right. So, Cleo from 5 to 7, 1962, this was, this was Agnes Varda's big break. Yeah. Uh, the other few films she'd made, they'd been, like, well-received by people. They're like, this is good. 
but they made like no money. Yeah, this is the first one that kind of got her that name recognition. But she was she became friends with somebody who got like kind of big. Was it was it her husband? Was it her husband or was it that guy who like uh, ran that company or whatever who like paid for her hotel when she like came back to town? I can't I can't quite remember. It might have been her husband. I think the guy's name was Jacques, but I don't think it was that Jacques. Probably. It was somebody. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody, somebody helped her make this movie. Yeah. Well, her, it was like, yeah. Because there, was, there was somebody that was like getting kind of big and they're like, uh, to the producer, they're like, hey, do you, the producer's like, hey, do you know anyone that could make us some movies? Any any boys, you know? They're like, no, but I know a girl. <laughs> Enter Agnes Varda at five foot one, probably. <laughs> Agnes Varda's very short. <laughs> yes, she is. I love her. She's so cute. Yeah, no, she's she's adorable. <laughs> how old? How tall was she? I can't can't find it. My guess is like four eleven. Four eleven to like five two max. Hold on. She was like five three. Oh shit! Oh, in, like when she was younger, she probably like she was old. So she yeah. was like walking around like. Plus, this. she was also like hunched yeah. over a lot, so she probably was by the time she like died. She was probably like five foot the way she was walking around. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Cleo five to seven begins with a color sequence. Yeah, I actually really like that. Like the only sequence that's in color in this movie is the, the tarot card yeah. one. I remember when I first watched it, I was just like. Wait, what just happened? I was like, did I imagine the tarot cards in color? I was like very confused. I had to rewind it. I'm like, oh no, they were in color. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like interesting. Because um, she's basically just getting her tarot cards read. She went to the doctor and she's like, oh, I got... She's convinced she has cancer. Yeah, they, the test results haven't come in, but she's like, I'm going to die. Yeah, so she's just kind of going here to, like, while wow, she's waiting for the results and to test the supernatural and see if uh, it's, you know, the candle's burning at this end, too. And apparently it is. And I, I like this scene because in the fact that it's in color because it's kind of like, I don't know, because it's like an awakening scene because she's like, because it's like the first yeah. person is like, oh, yeah, you, you know, I mean, she's still like the psychic is still like lying to her because she's like, ah, oh, you know, That's this card doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's death. It's just a total transformation. You're probably never going to get married. Uh, you've got an illness. Oh, hey, well, it, hey, death's not certain. <laughs> and it's just like, she's just like, let me read your hand. I don't read hands, actually. And it's just like... <laughs> So I think it's, like, the first time where she's, like, kind of, like, seeing the world for what it is in color, maybe. And it's yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna die. And then oh, yeah. she kind of, like, leaves back out. And it's like, her friends are like, oh, no, no, it's nothing. You got nothing to worry about. So it kind of goes back to the black and white to kind of, yeah. like... Well, it's like, I feel like uh, even the tarot cards kind of represent, like, the last bit of, like, hope she may have. 
Yeah, that gives too. a lot of color, and then pretty much as soon as like the desk card comes out, or, like cuts are in black and white, mm. and it cuts back to the tarot cards. It's like, hey, it may not be. Yeah, but then I, I, because I, the whole movie is like a lot of like about reflections. Oh yeah, like, they, they they as the in there's literally mirrors in every scene. Yes, <laughs> like specifically, like the cameras are placed specifically in certain areas to make sure the cam like mirrors are in the shot. Uh, so I feel like it's the same thing, like the tarot cards are a reflection on her like hope her last bit of hope and then that's a pretty it's like hey you're you're dead she's like no i don't wanna yeah but yeah so this happens and then she basically like leaves and meets up with like her assistant at a coffee shop and there's a mirror <laughs> yeah and basically like we kind of get a sense of her life she's like uh a famous artist, like she sings. Yeah, she's songs. like a musician. She's like, uh, yeah, she sings songs, but it's it's not to the point of like ultra fame where people recognize. Yeah, she's her. just got a few like singles. Yeah, songs, like if you, you know. said her name, they would recognize her, but like her face isn't synonymous with like fame yet. Yeah, um, which is probably like the best place to be if you're like a musical artist. Exactly. It's like cool. Uh, some people will recognize me and go, hey, you're cool, but I'm not being, like, mobbed on the street. Yeah, no one wants to be that, like, Kanye West famous. Yeah. Except for Kanye West. I don't... I don't think Kanye West even wants it Well, he, he definitely did at one point. Yeah. Because of, you know, the whole, like, my beautiful, dark, twisted yes. fantasy era. And then, yeah. then he got it. And then now I think he's like, ah, fuck. Now he's like, I'm going to church. Yep. <laughs> Time to go to church. Um, but yeah, um, we get a glimpse at her life. By the way, this movie is like entirely like meant to just kind of like show her life from five, five to, to like seven. Six. Yeah, it's it's not really from seven, five to seven, but it's like five to six thirty. It, yeah, from five to seven is just a better title than Cleo from five to six thirty seven. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. Yeah, so she meets her assistant, and her assistant's like, ah, the doctors, what do they know? They say you might have cancer. The fortune, ah, what do they know? You're probably fine. You've got absolutely nothing. Like, they just show no fucking concern whatsoever Mm -hmm. that she's like, hey, I think I'm dying. They're like, no, you're not. Stop being such a prima donna. And she's like, let me tell you a story to, like, this random guy that works there. She's like, let me tell you a story. And she starts going on. He's like, I gotta go. I don't know if you noticed this, but, like, at one point he just switches with a coworker to, no, like, continue did, listening to the story. There's some really funny moments in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of, like, walks away and someone else comes up and he's like, mm-hmm. And it's... I noticed that it was, like, a worker there at the MC brought, like, the coffee. But, huh. Interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, while, while she's telling her little story, uh, Cleo... Ooh, coffee's falling my tumbly. <laughs> it's, like, one of those, like... I hate that, because my stomach will, like, rumble, and it's, like, it sounds like a fart. Like, it's an internal fart. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like... And I'm like, no, oh, I swear that was in, not out. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, she's, like, listening to this couple, and the dude, I don't remember exactly what it is, but he's, like, trying to pressure her into sex, and he's, like, she's, like, well, if you really feel that way, you can just go, I guess, and he's, like, are you fucking serious right now? <clears throat> Leaves, and it's just, like, no, oh. she clearly made the right choice. And we see them in a reflection. 
Oh, what? I thought that was just the table next to it. Well, her. it's it's weird. It's a weird shot. Like, they, they play with the perspective, like, really well in the shot. Because, like, once you, like, zoom out, it was like a mirror. They're sitting right there, but they're also at a reflective wall. Okay. So, I think what they did was they pointed at the reflective wall so that, like, it's coming from the other side. It, it's, it looks really weird. Okay. Because it also looks like they're far away in some cases, but they're, like, right next to them. Hmm. I wonder if that was meant to kind of, like, mirror how she, like, internally felt about her relationship, which we're yeah. about to do. Yeah, definitely. I, mean. yeah, I think that's pretty much it, because she listens. There's a lot of, like random conversations she hears and they're pretty much all relevant to her life mm-hmm. in some capacity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they leave this coffee shop. They go back to her place. There's some cats. It's cool. Um, then her like, yeah, she has like five little baby kittens and I specifically love the one like she first gets there she like takes off her uh, dress and she like just has like a nightgown over and then she puts on like a robe and then she's walking around I don't know if you noticed the little kitty that's like attacking the robe oh no I didn't it's like every time the both times I've seen it it's just like a little (laughs) kitty that was walking around and then she puts on the robe and immediately starts like jumping on it Uh. (laughs) and then she like sits on her bed and there's like Four more kittens. Huh. She's like, I want to have like just an overabundance of tiny little kittens. Yeah, but I kept being like, oh, nobody step on one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then her boyfriend shows up, and he's like, sorry, I've been busy. I don't have time. You look hot. I don't have time though. And then he just leaves, and that's yeah. pretty much. And I'm like, why'd you even show up then? Yeah, exactly. He's like, are you? She's are like you super Ill? unfulfilled. She's like, are you ill? And he's like, or he's like, are you ill? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, ah, when aren't you? Yeah, he's a bit, bit of a dick. Yeah. But then um, these two, like, writing associates co- show up. Yeah, someone who I writes the tunes and someone yeah. who writes the lyrics. And they show up and I love, I love the music they do in these <laughs> scenes. Specifically yeah. the one, like, but they're all kind of fun. Like, and then the one she sings is just, like, fantastic. Yeah, and it hit really hard the second time I watched this movie. Like the first time, I liked the music, but this time I'm like, maybe it's because I watched Cleo last out of all of them, hmm. and it felt like I don't know. It felt like a pretty good reflection on like Agnes Varda's just kind of life in general, hmm. which is weird because she did it like so young. Because this, she directed this when she was uh, 32, 34, I think. She was born in 28. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these two uh, writers show up. They're posing as, like, doctors when they first arrive as, like, a sick plan. Yeah, is it, well, they're just trying to cheer her up. They're like, okay, this will be your syringe. And it's, like, this giant, like, syringe. Like, and then they walk in and they're like, the doctors are here yeah. to cure the patient. And she does. She, she's obviously not very amused well, by this. First, I feel like she is for a second. Like she covers her face. Like it seems like she's she appreciates it, but then she's like, "But I'm dying." Yeah. So yeah, they kind of like drop like, like r- right when they show up, they're like, "Is she like where is she? Ah, uh, she's in bed. Is she ill?" And they're like, 
the her like assistant's like, yeah, and she's like, ah, she's always got something wrong with her. She's always like freaking out about something. She seems to be everyone's mindset on her. Everyone just thinks she's like a little like over dramatic uh, person, which she might be. I mean, I didn't see her outside of this ninety minutes. Yeah. So who's to say? But. Man. That's I also love because that that goes into that same reflections thing because like we see people at just like their the the way we view certain random people that we only meet once in our life mm. is probably drastically different than how they are on a regular basis. Yeah, it's the same thing that we'll talk about later in Vagabond. Vagabond is super like that. Like it's super super. Like, hey, yeah. you might, this person might be in your head for the rest of your life from this, like, 10-minute conversation you had with them. And that's, like, not how they are at all kind of thing. I'm yeah. excited to talk about Vagabond. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, basically she gets, like, she sings, like, that final song and it's lyrics that are very much alluding to, like, death. Yeah. She's, like, crying by the end of it. And then she's like, "Now get out!" Yeah, she, she like starts freaking out. She's like, "All right, yeah, no, I can't, I can't do this one. This one's, this one struck, struck a chord with me. Can't do it." She puts on like a black dress, and she's like, "I put on this black dress because this is how your songs are sad." And then she's like, "You never liked me, did you?" And he's like, "I always thought that you were kind of a whiny bitch." And then she's like, "Get out!" And she also like, she's also super insecure. Before I realized. Uh, on the way to her place, they do uh, take that taxi, and mm. the, her song's playing. She's like, turn it off, I hate it! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Adam Driver with his movies. <laughs> he was just on SNL last night. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, nice. It was very good. Not as good as the last time he was on SNL. But I, didn't, I didn't watch that. I think he's been on three times. Hmm. I'll have to show you one of them. <laughs> I, I saw, I've seen like one clip from one of them which is like the undercover boss one that he did yeah he did he did another undercover boss ah this time but uh the last time actually no we'll not talk about adam driver on snl right now (laughs) yeah probably a good idea (laughs) it it ties so well together in the reflections because adam driver is uh deemed as like you know a non-personable like person he's like very quiet and reserved but he talks about it in his monologue. How he's a pretty he, carefree, easygoing guy. He seems pretty personable from what I've seen. It's yeah, just, it's just, he just he, doesn't he just like doesn't talk seem, shows and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. He's just not like establishment level, like sociable, you know. <laughs> One point he's like, I, you know, I do hate red carpets. That's true. But that's just because I can't smile. I look like I was kidnapped and I'm trying to send a signal with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> then he smiles at the camera like this. <laughs> oh. oh, Adam Driver. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So they leave, and then she leaves, right? Like right after that. Yeah. Yeah, and then she like meets up. She goes and she meets up with her friend, whose name I can't remember, and her friend's got to like drop off some. Uh, things at the cinema and it seems like her friend is like the only person who seems like kind of somewhat concerned about her disease like gives a somewhat genuine response like yeah, oh, are the, you sure? the nude the nude woman yes she's a 
nude model for like yes. a sculpting class mm-hmm. or something. And, uh, she's, she's yeah, she's pretty jovial. She like uh, most of the time when a character's introduced, they'll have a little internal monologue about how they feel about uh, Cleo, and she's yeah. like, "I love her. I wish I could be just like her and stuff." And we'll we'll definitely see that because the more we hang out with her, the more we kind of get an idea of her kind of resentment of Cleo. Because mm-hmm. uh, apparently they were like friends when they were younger, like they're from a, the same friend group, mm-hmm. and uh, they all had like these big like aspirations to be you know artists, celebrity types, and Cleo was the only one who made it out of that friend group. Um, and I don't. It, it's I've always liked this kind of resentment in film because it it feels more genuine. It doesn't feel like she's actively resenting her. Yeah, it's, it's just not kind like of she's like, like internal that she may not even like realize that she's like in resentment kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a much more accurate depiction of people because okay. you're not most of the time you're not going to just hang out with someone you actively resent. Yeah, it'll be like a comment that'll slip, and then like you might think afterwards like, oh shit, I kind of. What the fuck do I got going on that let like a comment like that kind of slip? Because she uh, she drops that one comment when they're in the cab, uh, where something along the lines of like you're spoiled or something like that. But the way it comes out is pretty pretty not good. And I was mm-hmm. like oof. Uh, but you could tell that she was just trying to joke around by like the delivery of how she said it. It was just kind of like something where it's like oh. That was kind of, like, in touch with something a little deeper there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that's, like, on the cab ride, like, right as she's about to leave, though. But uh, before that happens, we have the scene where they go to the theater and they watch the little short film while her... Yeah, they go to the theater and watch a short film with Godard in it. Mm -hmm. And And they have blackface in the movie. Did they? Well, I mean, like, what I don't think it's like actually like blackface. It's it's culturally like iffy to do. But uh, the, the main girl, so, the 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 dark version. Oh of her, yeah, like, no, she does no, have her I, skin I, 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 Now that you mentioned but that, it's I, not do, like, I do remember seeing that and being like, because I didn't rewind it. But I'm like, I didn't catch it until like the very end. I'm like, was that blackface that I just saw? I was like, nah. I don't think it's as... I do think, like, context matters, and I don't think they were trying to say, yeah, the dark version of her was black. They were just, like, making everything, like, darker. And I think that was just kind of a misstep, especially because it was, like, the 60s. Because Varda was a pretty, like, active, like, member of pretty much every, like... Good group. So I don't think it was an intentional thing. But it's weird. Which is weird because I really like the short film besides, like, that one thing. It it reminds me a lot of, like, Keaton. Yeah, Buster Keaton has, like, some blackface stuff. No, I meant Michael Keaton, actually. Oh, well, that too. (laughs) Um, Like... Reminds me of Birdman. Yeah, there's, like, that one specific Buster Keaton short where he gets, like paint splattered on like half of him and he's like the cops are after him when he's standing at one angle and he like flips around and they're like oh mm-hmm. and it's like that's terrible that's absolutely awful but it's a funny visual gag but it's bad um 
But I do like the short film because it's all, it's pretty much just a jab at Godard. Yeah. Because it's like, stop wearing your glasses, motherfucker. Because he always, that was the big thing, he always wore his fucking sunglasses, but for this short film, he took them off. Yeah. He has, like, nice eyes, like he she does. said. I like that one picture that they showed in, like, the Beach of Agnes a lot, and... Yeah, it's like a beautiful The picture. one where he's got, like, all the fucking yeah. tears streaming down And there's, there's some pretty good visuals in this silent film of, like, the tears on his face mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like, it was, it was a good short film even by itself that I watched later. Mm. Or I guess before. But yeah, so... So they watch it and they're like, okay, time to go. And then, yeah, basically, like, Cabri drops her friend off, which we had already explained that part pretty much. Yep. And then she gets dropped off. Oh, she she was walking around by herself first before she went to go see her. Friend. Well, she she was walking to her friend and had that whole like anxiety scene where it's like she sees all the faces of all the people like looking at her on the street, and then she kind of like reflects and sees like. Well, she sees the guy uh, throw up the frog, <laughs> eat the frogs. First. Yeah, and th- that's like a big thing with the movie is like the pearl and the frog. Mm-hmm. And then she sees somebody like puncturing himself. Yeah. Like he, he just has, like, a a big stick through his arm. <laughs> She's like, ah! And then doesn't she go into that cafe for a second? Just a pop-in? Yeah. Um, and she, oh, yeah. She, she like, She just kind of, she plays some music. She goes outside immediately. Somebody's like, oh, I can't talk with this loud music. Yeah. And she just listens. Some guy tries to buy her a drink and stuff. And that's just for a little, I don't remember if anything, like, Super relevant happens besides just some character building moments. It, I'm jumping ahead. When you said the person buys her a drink, I was thinking of the sandwich scene from Vagabond. <laughs> yeah, it's 23 years later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the next is. I believe she goes to the park, right? This is pretty much all. The yeah, the cab drops her off at the park. Yeah, because I remember he's like, he's like, I don't know if I can go down this road. Hey, but it's open. Whatever. <laughs> as long as we don't take get a ticket, we're good. Yeah. So he drops her off, and then uh, she's just kind of wandering around, and some guy like comes up to her, and she like starts a conversation with him, and she's like, I don't usually talk to men. <laughs> I, I'm just, my mind's just elsewhere today. <laughs> Yeah, and at first this guy's pretty creepy because it's clear that she keeps trying to kind of, like, brush him off, but he just kind of is persistent, but like Cleo, he kind of grew on me. Like, I was like, oh, this guy's not too bad. Yeah, by by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I kind of like him. Yeah. And I think that's, like, kind of just, like, a French thing to be a little more, like, persistent. Like, that was just more of a cultural thing. Uh, yeah, I realized it was a cultural thing, but I also find a lot of their, like, culture towards women, especially in this time period, to be pretty, pretty uh, detestable. Like, I think, I can't remember if it's, I think it's Breathless, but there's, like, a character who's, like, a philosopher in that movie who has, like, this whole spiel on women. I know, like, Truffaut at one point had, like... He was like, I like making movies where I just have women and I like, they just look visually appealing on the screen. Um, Which is like, you know, Varda did the same. Like, she has lots of like naked women and like women like, but it never feels like objectifying. It feels like she's building them up. Yeah, exactly. Because Varda was like a super feminist. Oh yeah, like they, like it's jump, like hey, jumping. Maybe you can use nude people in like. An empowering way. <laughs> yeah. And plus there's like that bit in uh, 
Face's place is jumping a, a little bit ahead here, where, like, the dude's like, I just think you like naked men. And she's like, of course I like naked men. men naked men and beautiful, or women are beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, it's true. What a fucking icon. <laughs> Seriously. I will say, before we get any further, that I think... I think out of the three directors we've done so far, Varda may not be my favorite, but I think she's the most consistent for me. Like, that I enjoyed them the most consistently out of the ones we watched. Like, I liked... Because I've liked every film we've watched from all three of them, but I think that, like, this one... I guess this kind of spoils some of my ratings, but <laughs> like this one, I think like the lowest was like higher than the lowest for the other two. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd, I think mm, I'd have to watch more of her narrative yeah. features. She also me, like her narrative features like feel like documentaries as well, which yeah. I like. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Varda has this way of capturing people, even if they're not real people, in a way that makes you feel like they're real, like they're just everyday people. It makes you feel like at home. I guess the the, the filmmaker that I was like kind of getting the most like kind of like vibes from where I'm like, oh, this kind of reminds me of like a little bit of Jodorowsky a little bit. Oh, okay. Like just kind of like how it's like part real, part fiction. And then, you know, if it is autobiographical, it'll be very like cryptic and poetic and full of like symbols and these metaphors and stuff like that. But what's, what's also fascinating about Varda is she, her, Films are really dense in, like, themes and stuff, but she also makes them super accessible for everyone. Yeah. Like, out, I would say the most accessible out of the three directors we've watched, especially, like, compared to Bergman. Because Bergman's great. I love Bergman. But some of his films are, I guess, uh, I don't know if, like, a regular person would enjoy them, at least currently. Varda has done, like, stuff that it feels like most people can still enjoy. I feel like... If you get what I'm saying, I'm not saying, like, people can enjoy all of them, but... Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. I think that her films are a little bit more accessible than Bergman's. I'd say it's debatable. It'd be a case-by-case basis, because I feel like a lot of people, like, modern people would, like, like... A lot of Kurosawa's movies, like yeah, High right. and Low, Seven Samurai, like ones like that. Seven Samurai is the one that I, I feel like the length would scare people away, but yeah. the content of the movie, I feel like most people would be like, yeah. oh, you know, this is pretty good. But I feel like most people nowadays that like aren't in the film, like they'll never watch Seven Samurai because of that length. They'll be like, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm gonna watch a three hours long movie, it's gonna be Avengers Endgame in theaters, yeah. which is fine. I'm not saying it's wrong to like only watch blockbusters. It's fine. Watch whatever you want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas says while pulling out a knife. <laughs> um, okay, so they they get to talking, and she's like, "I'm very scared." She hasn't told like anyone else that she's dying really, except her friend. Uh, and but she like didn't tell her boyfriend because she does. They 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 had fallen out of love pretty much. Yeah. And she's like quickly falling for this guy, or at least being like, "Hey." Maybe we could do something if I wasn't dying. But you're like, listen, uh, he was, he's deployed. He's like, uh, uh, he's in the military. 
He's like, I- I'm on leave, but I'm leaving today. So how about this? I take you to the hospital, and afterwards you take me to the, the station port or whatever. Yeah. So they do. They ride on like a bus together, um, and then they just talk, and then uh, they they get to their the uh, like the hospital or like the big courtyard where all the doctors are, and they're like, "Oh, the doctor's gone." She's like, "What do you mean he's gone?" So then they go and sit on the bench, and the doctor pulls up, and you're like, "What? You didn't come to my office?" And she's like, "They said you were going." Like, "Oh, well, that uh, that's silly." Yeah, it's like, "Listen, you got cancer, but two months of chemo, you're gone. You're done." So it's like she did. It's like her worries were there, but they weren't as like uh, once she fight once she like faced them, they weren't as big to her kind of thing. Yeah, they're overcomable. Yeah, and then she's like, "Wow, maybe we can get together." <laughs> so they like say they're gonna pretty much write to each other and stuff, and then they get on a. They walk the, towards the screen and, and then uh, does that ends. Yeah. So, I didn't... So, I watched this movie a while ago, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh... Have you seen Before Sunrise? Yes. <laughs> because that's like this movie. I love there's it. a... I, I think there's a lot. Like, especially like the... The, the way it's paced, like, because the, the first... Yeah, because it's got, like, the real time. The real time, and that's only prevalent in uh, the second before. Movie. Yeah. Um, and, like, even, like, the long bus rides, even just going through Paris, the way they talk, it just felt a lot like that to me. And apparently Linklater's a pretty big ba- fan of Varda. It makes he, sense. like, did a film thing where he, like, hosted a screening of, like, Vagabond. Mm. Um And apparently, I I haven't seen Boyhood in a while, but Boyhood's ending, I was reading up on it, and it's it's probably, like, at least somewhat influenced by this ending. Okay. Um, I'll have to watch this. They're pretty similar. They're not very similar in, like, what happens, but, like, in the theming of it. Okay. But the whole time, like, I'm like, this... This feels like a Richard Linklater film. <laughs> At least this film. With Vagabond, I got completely different vibes from a different uh, director that I'll talk about. <laughs> I'm like, hey, <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. What did you think of this movie? I liked it. I definitely liked it. Um, I will say this one wasn't like... <clears throat> Double check here. I think I'm on the right track from what you're saying so far. Um, in my rankings for you. It's not in my top three. I'll say that. Um, okay. But I did find it pretty enjoyable. No, I really like this movie. Um, I might. I, I also it. like just... I like movies like this. So. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of like getting... Because I've only seen like a handful of like movies that are like the French new wave. Yeah. Uh, and out of the ones I've watched, I appreciate them, but I haven't gotten to the point where I'm like, I haven't watched any really good ones. All the ones I've watched have been from like the early French new wave years. So and when I, did new wave end? Cause it's like the early, oh, like, the like early late, circa late fifties to like the early seventies, I think is like okay. the period. So, 
Um, there's still like a ton from like that era that like what it becomes eventually that I need to see. Um, yeah, no, I, it's, it's weird because like I try to be well versed and like it's so hard to become well versed in world cinema, especially if like you live your life just watching like English films like from the U.S. Because it's like. Oh, God. Yeah. There's, like, seven directors you need to watch from, like, France just from, like, this 12-year period. Yeah, exactly. Plus, <laughs> and, like, and then there's Japan where there's, like, at least, like, three really big names you should watch. Yeah. And it's, like, the way I watch movies, I don't, like, really sit down and, like, focus a body of work or, like, a specific genre. I like to kind of, like, cherry-pick my movies and, like... Yeah. Well, and I'm fine with like picking, a like, a genre or, like, a... I want to be able to watch more of them, but I feel like if I watch too many French New Wave films, then they'll kind of just all blend together. That's kind of how like, I feel I, need, I, I feel like I need to have a diverse catalog. Yeah. At least, like, if I watch, like... Even, like, ten French New Wave films, I could theoretically do that, like, in, in like, a small amount of time. But if I watched any more, then I feel like I wouldn't like the last couple. Like, I yeah. need to refresh myself with something else. That's why I try to watch movies. And it's the same thing with now, because, like, I try to watch films from other countries. If I watch too many, like, English films... I'll be like, these are all the fucking same. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Hollywood films. Now I'm like, this is the exact same. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm always trying to branch out and watch a lot more uh, foreign movies. And I've noticed that, like, I'm trying to, like, even branch out beyond, like, my typical countries of, like, um, like, uh, generally, if I do branch out in foreign cinema, it's, like, like Asian films. It's like France or Japan yeah. or South Korea. And it's like, so that's why, like, I was like picking, like, uh, like I picked I Am Not a Witch because I'm like, oh, I need to, like, mix it up. Yeah. And, like, the, get and yeah. Like, that's why I'm glad there's, if you look on, like, Letterboxd, you can look at the pro and it shows you your map. And I want to fill that thing up. Yeah. There are, like, a lot of African nations don't have very many films, but they all have films. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to, like, like, understand that Africa, even, like, within just a few countries that are right next to each other, they have very diverse ways of making films. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. Like, we just don't appreciate that as much because they're not as relevant to mainstream media as, like, Japan and, like, South Korea and stuff. And we assume that those countries will be different because they're uh, separated by, like, a giant span of, like, water. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, they're going to be vastly different, but it's the same thing. Like, human themes only go so far. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've, like, I, I've only seen, I've seen, like, a film from Uganda, which is from the Wakaliwood, which, ah, yeah. yeah, Who Killed Captain Alex. And they just uh, uploaded Bad Black, which they made in, like, 2017. Mm. That, they uploaded that whole thing for free on YouTube now. Oh, nice. So I'm probably going to watch that one soon. I want to get a Hollywood shirt. <laughs> Do not too much. I think they're, like, 25. That's not bad. And that, would that would legitimately go to, like, help people make movies. Yeah. Like, great. Even if I don't like a movie, I want people to keep making movies, like... Damien Leone, I think, is a fucking awful like director, but I don't want him to stop making movies just because of that. Uh, Terrifier Man. Ah. 
Like, I'm, there's not a movie he's made that I've enjoyed. And I've yeah. watched, like, three of them. Yeah, he can keep making them. But I want, I don't want somebody to stop making movies. Just, like, that's why sometimes when I review a film badly, I'm like, I feel bad in some cases. I know they'll never read it, but I don't want, like... No, I don't my, say never. Yeah. Well, yeah, like uh, Anish Chiganti, the guy who directed Searching. He's read my reviews on Searching. Mm. That's great. But I've also given that five out of five. Yeah. Well, four times. And he's like, you've watched this four times? <laughs> Run comes out this year, and I'm so excited. Oh, nice. Thing comes out Mother's Day. Ooh. It's like a completely different, like, way. it's like a regular film. So I'm excited to see how he does with that. Okay. Um, but I just, I just want people to like. As long as you're not spewing out blatant propaganda, keep making movies. You know. Yeah. Like if you work for Pure Flix, don't make movies anymore. You're a bad person. Uh, I agree. <laughs> but other than that, keep making movies, even if they suck. I'm, I'm gonna make a bunch of movies that fucking suck in my life. I know that. But that doesn't mean I want to stop. Mm-hmm. I don't even really want Uwe Boll to stop making movies. I haven't seen any of his movies, but, like, if oh, he wasn't man. such a dick to people, then I'd be like, yeah, keep making movies. But the he's fact just a dick that he's to like, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna beat the shit out of you is just such a such a childish thing to say. <laughs> I'm just like, stop being a baby! I don't know, I kind of like Uwe Boll. <laughs> I mean, I like him as, like, a meme. I don't like him as a person. <laughs> From what I've seen, like, out, because he never, like, actually, it's not like he shows up to your house and like, you talk shit about my movie like yeah, Jay I and Silent Bob Strike Back. It's it's more like, uh, you know, he'll he'll reach out to you and he'll be like, hey, you know, you talk shit about my film. You want to, like, get in the ring and yeah. duke it out? And, you know, it's always like a consent thing. Yeah, yeah. And from what I understand, like... When you're not, like, shit-talking his movies, he's a pretty nice guy. He has, like, a fucking pizza restaurant in, like, Vancouver now. You should go. Because he got kicked out of this country Vancouver, for his... Washington or Vancouver, Canada? Vancouver, Canada. We should go. Yeah, I'd be down to go at some point. <laughs> and go, let's fight. At, at some point, I want to go to Canada for, like, TIFF, like... Maybe like I'm, I'm so sad I didn't get to go. Like I just want to go to Sundance. Sundance just happened, or is still happening. I think I'd rather go to Tiff than. Why? Well, I, I just want to go to like all of them, really. Because if I go to Sundance, I can't show someone porn. Because it's in Utah. Not that I was is porn too- illegal in Utah. You, it's not, but you can't show people like another person porn, and they can't like sell it there. It's. Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. <laughs> Utah's scary. That's why, like, SLC Punk is such a good movie. I, I need Salt Lake City is scary. Yeah. When I, I, I did a a layover in Salt Lake City once, and there, there are still, like, smoking rooms there. Just, like, in the airport, just, like, with giant clear walls and, like, old women with... And it's just filled with smoke. I'm like, oh, what geez. the fuck is going on? <laughs> Where am I? Did I teleport through time? <laughs> but no I really like from Cleo from Cleo from 5 to 7 it's definitely not uh, any of my top ones but I, I really enjoy it and I think I also I liked it when I first watched it that was my first introduction of Varda because I'd heard great things and then I watched Faces Places yeah, this is the second it's, one I watched what was the first one you watched Vagabond that, that's the first one I watched uh, or what was I watched
Oh, wait, I, do I literally have the, the view order I have. Hold on. Yeah. What am I doing? I watched... Oh, yeah, I watched Uncle Yonko first. <laughs> and then I rewatched Faces Places. But the first one that I, like, watched the first time was Vagabond as well. Ah, okay. <sighs> that, was, that was a full-length film, because Uncle Yonko's, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love him. Uh, so what'd you give the film? Um, I would give this one probably a 7. I'm going to give this one an 8. Mm. 7.5 for us. Cleo. Cleo, whose name is not actually Cleo. I don't know if we said that. It's Florence, isn't it? Yeah, it's Florence. But she's called Cleo. It's her stage name. Like Cleopatra. Cause she's the fucking... Yeah. She's the lady. She's, she's out there looking for Mark Antony. <laughs> okay. Uh, next is, is it Yonko? Yeah, Uncle Yonko time! Uncle Yonko! Um, this one's gonna be a short talk. Um, yeah. Uncle Yonko's, uh, documentary that's 20 minutes, um, it's about Uncle Yonko, so, uh, it's her dad's cousin i believe so it's technically not her like uncle but it's one of her blood relatives she never really met yeah and uh he lives in does he live in the u was that the u.s I yeah could... san diego yeah. it was san diego yeah um so she like finds him and she shows up and the way her documentaries this is actually a pretty good introduction to her documentary style because she'll recreate scenes from her past or, like, scenes that happen. Yeah. And she'll try to do it with the same people. So she'll be like, I met my Uncle Yonko. Here's a here's a remake of what happened. And he's like, he's, like, really bad at acting. He's like, yeah. are you the... They show are like you nine, Eugene's daughter? They show, like, nine takes really yeah. quickly. He's, like, speaking in another language yeah, that I don't think was French or English. Um. Yeah, because he... She says that he speaks French really well, but he pronounces his uh, R's with, like, the Greek yeah. pronunciation. Because, uh, so, growing up, this this goes back to, like, Beaches of Agnes, which we'll be talking about later, but I guess we'll... Yeah. This, whole, this whole episode will be filled with the lore of Agnes. Um, her family was Greek, but she didn't really know that. Her dad was naturalized, um, so he became, like, a French citizen when he was, like, 50 years old. So, like, by the time she was born, she always thought she was, like, French for quite a while. Even yeah. though, like, Varda is, like, a Greek name, I believe. And uh, it wasn't until later she found out and she started, like, exploring her roots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Uncle Yonko was somebody that, like, actually knew some of these roots. Yeah. Because um, her father died when she was, like, young. Very young. So. Uh, he like he didn't even tell her she was Greek. She found out like after his death. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she goes to meet yeah. her uncle Yanko. Yeah, and he's he's living on a boat uh, or like a yeah a boathouse. There's like a community. There's, there's like boat houses out. I there. love the one that's made out of like the. I don't know. It looks like a big fucking pyramid or whatever. Oh, like yeah. the, it looks like a pyramid fused with a skate park. Yeah. It's like they're talking about how they're like it's society. Like an A-frame and stuff. Yeah. There's like a line where they're like not not another one of- but uh, they're like I mean it's a pretty it's their like own little commune pretty much. Yeah. People who are like off the fringe of society. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, 
Yeah, Uncle Yonko, he's a pretty interesting guy. He's like an artist. He does like paintings. I love his little paintings. So what he does is he like kind of makes paintings, but instead he like puts like felt on things and he like makes that and then he kind of paints over them. Yeah. They're very fun. They're like, they have this, it's interesting because Uncle Yonko and Agnes are pretty similar people, I Even though that they never, they never met. met. Yeah. Because there's like a part where he brings up, he's like, oh, you know, when I was growing up in the family, like artists were seen as like, you know, fucking deadbeats and no goods and kind of like black sheep to the family. And even then, like, out. They, in some cases, you could argue like they were right. He didn't like, he's not rich or anything, but he's, yeah. he's comfortable. He lives in a place that's like pretty expensive to live. Like, yeah. He makes enough that he can live, but he doesn't really have anything saved because he doesn't need to save for anything. Mm-hmm. And he's happy. Like, there's a bunch of people that, like, love him and respect him. Yeah. He's, like, have, they have, like, big house parties pretty much on their boats. Mm-hmm. He's walking around at the end. There's just, like, nine people on the roof just hanging out. He's just, like, patting them on the head. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But, yeah, Uncle Yonko's a very fun man. I like him a lot. He's dead. He's probably been dead for, like, 40 years. Probably. I wish that she had, like, stayed a little longer and we could have gotten just a little bit longer of a documentary. Like, yeah, I, but, I like I, I like the shortness of it and the shortness of, like, the Black Panther one. Yeah. They're nice and, like, concise and they're, like... I feel it. Like, I don't think everything needs to be a feature film. No, I agree. But I, I would have liked even, like, ten more minutes to be about the That's same kind of as the Black mean, Panther yeah. one. Um. But it was it was very joy joy and it was inspiring. It's joyful. Yeah. He was just talking about shit. He's like, you know, uh this one murderer, this barbarian, was killing like uh, hundreds of thousands of like Greeks and stuff, and that was our that was our ancestor. And she's like, Well, do we do do we don't know that? His name was just Varda, but he's like, Yeah, but that's our <laughs> Yeah. He's just a funny guy. He is. All right. What do you... You got anything else to say on this one? I'm trying, I'm trying to think. I just kind of... I like it. I like because his name was actually Gene. It just, I think his middle name was... I don't even know where Yonko came from. Oh, yeah. He died like... Four years after this movie came out. Aw. He was 78, though, so... Not like... Yeah, he was pretty old in this movie. Yeah. Yo, he was married three times! Whoa. Let's see. Let me see if there's anything interesting to say on his Wikipedia page. He had a pretty full life. Yeah, anyway, he's a beautiful man. I love him. What'd you give this movie? I'd probably give it like a seven. Give this one an eight. I liked it a lot. I like, I like, I like. I think I just like the spirit and the way they talk to each other. It's just, it's just nice. I also really love the, when he's like opening the window to say things at one point, like later mm. on, he's like opening the window. He's like, did you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just fun. Yeah. So 7.5 of this one. Oh, two in a row. All right. Black Panther. 
Oh. Black Panther. Well, Black Panthers. Black Panther is yeah. a movie by... Uh, what's his name? Couldn't tell you. Um, he did Creed. I've heard Creed's a good movie. So I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen pretty much any Rocky film. I've, I've seen all the Rocky movies, just neither of the Creed's. Rocky Six. Uh, I saw half of that one. I didn't finish that one. I've heard that one's really bad. Or no, I I think Rocky Six is actually decent. I think Rocky, Rocky Five, five is the really is the bad notoriously one. bad one. It's the, Weird. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of it's weird how like consistently good apparently that series like is though. Well, not not well, even it, good, it, but it, just like a, well received. Yeah, in a corny kind of like fun to watch, good kind of way. Yeah, the first I'd really only say the first one is like the legitimately like kind of good. I read the sixth one's also pretty like good. Yeah, I I just I was like bored I know you by it when I was like twelve. So, but I'd probably be more open to like a watch of that one now but um yeah uh yeah cause number two is pretty alright it's like the first one but a little bit cornier second or the third one is where it starts like getting that 80s cheese in there with like Mr. T and the fourth one's where they like peak where it's like is that Ivan Drago? yeah that's where it's like the perfect amount of like over-the-top corniness. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Let's roll with it. <laughs> and then five is just like... From what like I remember... He has, like, the American flag in the poster, and he's, like, wearing his cape. Yeah, I think so. Anytime they do that, I'm like, this movie's not going to be... <laughs> that That might be four. I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar with the posters. But five five's the one where he's, like, a street fighter, and he's got his son. Oh, this is the poster for Rocky Five. Yeah. I was going to say, most of them, I think, have, like, there was, like, a VHS set that had, like, the American flag behind most of them. Um, I love America. Oh, wait. No, I don't. <laughs> Got him! One, one of the big songs in the Rocky is the, living in America. <clears throat> but, um... Yeah, Black Panthers. This movie is just... Kind of an overview of the Black Panther movement. Especially around Huey Newton. Yeah. Which was the, th- the big thing happening at this time. Yeah. Huey Newton was arrested for shooting a cop, but there was like a lack of evidence against him and like the entire community was like, yo, what the fuck? They're like, he... More than likely didn't shoot this guy. And I, I'm i going to be honest, aside from, like, what I see in movies and stuff, um, I've never done, like, the deep dive on the Black Panther movement. So this is pretty interesting. This is a pretty, like, good way to start. Um, because it's pretty... it, it's It's pretty objective in its approach, even though it does side more with the Black Panthers, just because... Yeah. Spoiler alert... They're they're right. Yeah. They were in the right. Um, <laughs> remember when the FBI shut down the Black Panthers, but they didn't shut down the KKK. Yeah, remember that was when fun. they remember when they tried to uh, assassinate Martin Luther King? Yeah, that was. But uh, and then on his birthday a couple days ago, they were like, "We love Martin Luther King." It's like, oh yeah, and yeah, also then you guys dead. just tried to like. 
But he, he uh, revoke the Huey Holiday? Newton was like the co-founder of the Black Panther Party. Like he was the big one. Yeah. And then yeah, he was involved I, I, in a shootout in some way. He was there up until this point. This is gonna be extremely ignorant, but his name I was familiar with through a Flowbot song. <laughs> was it Handlebars? No, it's like, do we part. need prayer or revolution? <laughs> and then it's like, uh, I can't remember who they say, but they say someone, and then it's like, Huey B. Newton. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the first... I don't know if it's off the Platypus EP, or if it's off the Fight with Weapons, or whatever it's called. Fight with Tools, whatever it's called. It's been a while since I've listened to Flowbots. But it, it's pretty much just an overview of... Like, the Black Panther movement, it's talking about black empowerment, and there's this one guy who talks about, like, ten things they want, and he's really well-spoken. I yeah. really like his cadence. Um, he's like, number one, <laughs> and he talks about all the stuff he wants. He's like, hey, we don't want to die from police. I don't know if that's a big, it's kind of a big deal, and I don't know why it should be. Like, I just don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember what the ten were. The one, the one I remember being, like... Hmm. was the one where he's like, stop sending us in the drafts. Like, we don't want to be drafted. It's like, me either, buddy. <laughs> but it's like, they specifically talk about how, like, they're talking about the Vietnam War. Which is interesting. And I, I, get, I get the point with yeah. that. They're, one, they're, talking about, they're talking about, like, nobody wants to go to the Vietnam War because it was a pointless war where millions I, died over nothing. Is it, is it Vietnam where they would, like, put black people in, like, the front of the groups. That, I mean, that was pretty much all the wars, okay. it seemed. It did that a lot in a lot of the wars. Yeah. But, um, they're like, we're, we don't have rights here. So why would we go and fight for this country where we're not even like, we don't even have rights or respect? Yeah. And until we have that, why would we ever fight? I get it. Like, I would, you know, I was opposed to the... If I was there, I'd be opposed to the Vietnam War because it was evil. But that's also a good point as well. Feeds into the but overall it's evil. It's the same thing uh, Muhammad Ali was famously yeah. like, I'm not fucking going. Exactly. You can put me in jail. Fuck you. <laughs> me, whenever they try to draft me in the future. When we talk about... Uh, they talk about in the beaches of Agnes later on. They talk about the Vietnam War. And they talk about the Iraq War. And they talk about how... People cared less. They didn't protest as much because there was no draft. Exactly. There were still millions of people dying, but they didn't care anymore because it wasn't affecting them. Mm. And I think the Beaches of Agnes is really good because it it talks about like the problems with the problem with like a lot of modern day liberals is they don't actually care unless it affects them. Yeah. Well, Varda's out there being like, I like the Black Panthers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she was like openly opposed to the Vietnam War when it was like, yeah, from the very beginning. To, she went like, over to Fuck you Cuba back in She made a, there's, there's a, I need to watch it. There's a documentary, like pretty much video essay that like seven directors made that were like showing their opposition to the Vietnam War. I think Godard did a part of it. Hmm. She did part of it. Other guy who did La Jete did a part of it. Okay. And apparently it's very good. Huh. Um. Anyway, I, all I'm saying is Agnes Varda was perfect. Um. <laughs> she's, she's pretty fucking great. Um. Yeah. 
but they talk about it. The, the film ends with Huey Newton going to prison for the the murder, or he gets manslaughter yep. charges. Then, it was pretty much a political uh, compromise. And then they like people that thought he was guilty were like, "Give him the death." It, it really didn't please anybody. But uh, it was eventually overturned, like two years after this, and he okay. was released. Oh, good. He was later murdered, like twenty years later. Oh no! Yeah. Well, fuck. Uh, by a group called, I think, the Black Gorilla Coalition or something like that. Oh, jeez. The Black Gorilla Family, which is an African-American prison and street gang. I'm not familiar with them, so I'm not going to talk about them. But I I also don't really remember why, like the reasoning why he was murdered. So I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. But he was a very important man that I don't think was... Talked about, yeah, uh, quite enough. Because I was gonna say, like, the high school never fucking yeah, covered this or anything. Um, of course, you also went to high school in fucking Lewis County. That's true. But yeah, Black Panther, good. Well, Black Panther's also good, but Black Panthers, the movie and the group, I don't even. Good. I don't even think they talked about Malcolm X. I think the closest they came is like, yeah, there was like Martin Luther King, and then everything was okay. <laughs> It's the education that I remember getting. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I really liked this. It was really insightful, and uh, it definitely, like, scratched that curiosity you know, part of why my they don't talk about Malcolm X is because he was Muslim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's And he was also, like, not opposed to violence. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. If they're murdering us, we're going like, to resort to violence. Like, fuck you guys. Yeah. But it's, it's very, like... Significant, culturally important, and was part of history. Malcolm X is an extremely important person to talk about. Exactly. Don't talk about. And Huey Newton was as well. But people want to talk about Martin Luther King, who was a great person as well. But they use that is a tactic to stop people now, like black people now, from protesting in certain ways by being like, just be like Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King did a ton for the civil rights movement, but that's forgetting about, like, the Black Panther Party, who would go around with guns and guard people being pulled over by police to make sure they weren't being, like, murdered or yeah. mishandled. Martin Luther King, not, not to, like, deduct from his legacy or anything, but it's like... He wasn't the cause, but a symptom of something much bigger that was going on. Yeah, like, and if Martin it wasn't Luther Martin King Luther King, King it would have been somebody else. But yeah, and even then, they like whitewash him and they they take out a lot of his things. Like he wanted a bunch of stuff that they don't talk about. Like oh, he's yeah. like universal basic income. Oh yeah, no, yeah, there was same a ton shit of stuff that Bernie's there. preaching yeah, about. Literally, today. it's it's the same stuff. We the victors, the, <laughs> the victors of any war, right. The history books. Oh, exactly. And in the the civil rights movement, black people got the right to vote, but in many, many, many places, they're still not treated as equal. And that it's proven in history books. Like, we don't oh, learn. Yeah. Instead of, we talk about, oh, yeah, the pilgrims. We talk about the fucking pilgrims all the fucking time, not the slaves they brought over, not all the black people that literally built this country with their hands. Yeah. Not all the struggles that they went through. They were like, you know what? 
For a time period after slavery ended, white people and black people didn't really get along. That's about the the furthest they go in history books. So yeah. I, I very much enjoyed this movie because I, I think it's mostly because Varda was just like, fuck it. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. I'll release this. Because I'm sure there was a bunch of backlash for releasing this movie when they like came out. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Especially like that one white person in the movie. Like, you know, I don't really get why they're protesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. they, want, they want him released. Even if he's guilty. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's no evidence against him. Like, you mean, you do really... Innocent yeah. until proven guilty. <laughs> and then um, the film ends with like, uh, you know, after they announced that like he was like sent to prison, um, it brings up an incident where two cops went and shot the images of Huey Newton and who else was it? Uh, I think it might have been the other founder of the Black Panther yeah. Party. Uh, um, who? I can't remember his fucking name. But they had, like, pictures of them in the window, and the cops came and shot the pictures. Bobby Seal, and, I believe. you know, destroyed their images. And it's just like, yep, you're just coming in and harassing this group. Okay. Fucking pig. <clears throat> so what'd you give this one? Pro- probably, like, an eight. I like this one. I gave this one an eight. <laughs> it's an eight? I'm just giving this all the films eights. Not all, but a lot. Mm. Okay. Uh, so next is Vagabond. Okay. How old do you think the actress was in this movie? Let me think about it for a second. Let me try to get, like, a fresh, like, mental image of my, of her face. Also, doesn't she look like Brie Larson? Yes! I was oh the whole time, God, like, yeah. did we remake Vagabond with Brie Larson? I mean, like, I think it's a little unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I just mean, if they were to remake it, do it now, put Brie Larson. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, she looks a lot like, like a lot. Especially, like, even the face mannerisms. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I, I don't know, like... 23... She was 18. I was like... She has a lot older face, but it's probably just because she looks like really like raggedy the whole time. Yeah. She's like, I don't bathe! Yeah. Because I'm sleeping on the road! Um... I loved this movie. I also loved okay. this movie. Tina Taya didn't like this movie. She also didn't like Cleo from five to seven. I and I'm like, it's so weird because she doesn't like French films, but she lives in France. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you're just not gonna like movies, but it's so sad because I was like vibing with this movie so like I love this movie. Yeah. Um, I found this sick AMV to this movie to uh Did you really? I did. You found an AMV like an <laughs> Well, you found a music I, video? I, well, it technically wasn't an A. But a, you B, found but a music video? What yeah. song was it? Um, Easy Way Out by Low Roar. That's really weird. Um, It fucking works, though. Like, it's like a three-minute video. Um, 
I'd say you could check it out um, because, I mean, it's it definitely, like, spoils the film, but the movie starts with a spoiler. So as yeah, long as you don't I, get, like... The, 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 the structure of the film kind of reminds me of... Uh, Sunset Boulevard, in a way. Yeah, we d- at least at least the beginning. Like, yeah, the, once it gets going, uh, what's weird is the way that people, the kind of pseudo documentary feel to this one specifically. Yeah, and the way that characters interact, it kind of reminded me of a Wes Anderson film. It's not the same in tone, but just the way that characters interact kind of reminded me of Wes. Like it feels like Wes Anderson probably saw this movie and he's like. I like the way these characters talk. <laughs> That's probably what a Wes Anderson sounds like. I've heard his voice, but it's not like... It's not super memorable like David Lynch. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, hmm. Her fucking telephone! Get real. <laughs> Get real. What is the photo for? What's the photo for? There's no way! There's no way! God. I know that's not David Lynch, but it's from a David Lynch movie. <laughs> okay. Do you um, want to begin with Vagabond? Yeah, so the movie begins, and it's basically this guy going around. There's, like, a big, like... It's not a farm. It's just a big, like, kind of field with a bunch of, like, little bushes or, like, trees that are kind of, like, bushes. Just like a property. Yeah. I think they have a couple, like machines there that do stuff. Yeah, but this dude's, like, going around, he's picking up sticks, and then he finds the main character, Mona's body in a ditch, frozen Frozen. death. He's like, oh! So he kind of goes over, tells his boss, they call the cops, and they, like, scrape the body up and put it in a body bag. And then we get the introduction from the narrator, who... Who... I didn't, like, re-watch the film or, like, go back and check out any scenes. Did it ever reveal who the narrator was? I don't think so. That's why, like, it's that pseudo-documentary okay. feel. I, I I need to... There's, like, a 40-minute documentary. I didn't have time to watch it. The, yeah, I um, meant to... There was one on uh, Cleo as well that I uh, wanted to watch. I just didn't have time. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to give that a watch because I'm curious to see if, like... This is, like, based off any, like, real person, perhaps. And maybe just, like, Agnes Vardo's, like, that's that fucking struck chord with me. I'm going to make it into a movie. Oh, the the original French title, uh, Sans Toi Ni Loi, or something like that, uh, it translates to With Neither Shelter Nor Law, which is a great fucking name. I really like Vagabond. Vagabond's probably my favorite English word. Mm. I love the term Vagabond. It's just, like... See, this this movie had been popping up on my radar because of the title, because there's a manga I like called Vagabond. Ugh. So I'm always, so it would always pop up on my feet, and I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Um, and I'm glad I finally watched it. Um, yeah, Agnes Varda is the narrator, though. Okay, I, I figured. I was pretty sure. I just made sure just to... Um, that, that was kind of my thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, so basically, she's like, I kind of interviewed a bunch of people about um, Mona and I didn't dare tell them like she's dead and I also didn't tell them that her real name was what was it? It starts with an I doesn't it? I don't quite remember but they say it like once and yeah, twice in the movie. Once here and then once when she tells somebody 
later in the film what her real name is. Um, so it's not like super, super important. Um, but basically, yeah. So the basic premise of the film is that the narrator, Agnes Varda, talked to these people who had had interactions with this, uh, like nomadic woman who was just kind of walking around and living on the road. Um, and kind of like the glimpses and like the different, I won't say like different character traits, but definitely like different interpretations that people had on her. Yeah. Um, like we'll see like some people have a much more sympathetic look towards her and think like, Oh, you know, she was very cool and very nice. Some people are like, she was super lazy. She was stinky. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so you get like all these different, like kind of like a biases mixed into like people's stories about her. Yeah. That's, that's why I was talking about from Cleo. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like that's, especially with, uh, Yolande, and, like, her boyfriend, because she sees her, like, at the beginning, she's like, they were so in love, and she thinks that for, like, so long. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't remember, like, the sp- necessarily the specific order that, like, she meets people in. I didn't, I don't have my notes with me. Um, but basically, uh, the film begins, and Agnes Vard is like, as far as I can tell, she came from the sea. Because the movie starts with her, like, kind of, like, getting out of the ocean from a swim, getting dressed, putting on her, like, pack and walking and starting hitchhiking. Yeah. Uh, And do you remember who the first person who picks her up is? No. (laughs) I don't either. Fuck. Um, yeah, I, I guess we don't necessarily have to go in order. It's not like there's, like, a character arc. Yeah. I mean, well, one of the first things that really happens is she does... One of the one of the first main things is she meets up with the other, like, another vagabond. Like, a male one. Yeah. That guy. And that's the first, like, interaction we see with her that's, like... Where she's, like, happy, I guess. She's kind of yeah. just walking around just asking people for money and stuff beforehand. And uh, she hangs out with this guy for like a few days. Yeah, smokes pot with him. Just kind of makes lives out on his property. Yeah, but that's like uh, he's like kind of like laying low at. Yeah, that's um, like an abandoned place, pretty much. Or or I think it might be like on the market. I think the first place is where um, the one of the like is this linked to where the woman sees her like sleeping with the guy. Or was that before this? Because I know that was, like, one of the earlier ones. I believe that was before this. Okay, so there's, like, a point where she sleeps with a guy in a church. And then uh, this woman who's, like, super unhappy with her boyfriend. Because her boyfriend only, like... the fucking worst. Yeah, he's like, I only like you. Like, we'll either go out and I'll, like, show you off and have a good time or we'll fuck. But if it's not one of those two things, leave me the fuck alone. Like, he's, like, one of those types. But he's still, like, mooching off her. Oh, yeah. He's like, you need to get a new job. He's living living in this job place when he's not supposed to be. Yeah. And she, like, wanders over to the church and sees uh, Mona, like, just sleeping in some guy's arms after they fucked. And she's like, wow, that is beautiful. And that image really sticks with her. And we'll see her character come back. But then that leads into, like, 
she gets with this other guy who she's like hanging around with for a couple days. The other vagabond yeah. smokes the pot with. Um, one of my one of my favorite shots in the movie is when she's like over and like touching the statue's face. Mm, yeah. uh, I really like that one. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and then he runs out of pot. And then something happens where he, like, has to pay attention to, like, something grabs his attention and she goes. I can't remember what it was. Remember he gets punched in the face. So the the guy, the, the boyfriend, he's part of, like, a crew that, like, robs places that are, like, abandoned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or, like, on the market. And they're, they're staying in one of these places, like, just kind of squatting. And they, like, break in. They're like, oh, what the fuck is that? And he's like, I better go. And she's like, go check. Oh, and he yeah, goes, yeah, And yeah, he, yeah. like, immediately gets punched in the face. That's and as right. soon as that happens, she, like, blows out the candles. And it just cuts. And he's like, yeah, so she just kind of left. Like, yeah. You know, when I had weed, she wanted to stay. But as soon as I ran out, she was gone. Yeah. To be fair, it might have been the fact that you just got fucking one-shotted by a group of intruders. <laughs> she might have just been like, oh, God, better get out of here. But yeah. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I think she was just kind of done as well. She's like, yeah. time to move on. Uh, kind of like jumping ahead a bit here because this happened. You know, you find out like little bits about her. Um, but it's clear that she chose the road. Like she chose this yeah. life. She's the happy, happier with this life. Um, and we don't we don't really get like a whole lot of answers towards why. We just know that she's not very fond of people. Um. Me, I, that's probably one of the reasons why I like this movie so much. I like movies that have antisocial characters. Um, she's not very fond of people. She used to be a typist and probably just didn't want to fall into the mundane, like, just tears of society life that everyone has to. She probably, you know, she's just like, oh, I'd rather just be free and live by my own, you know choices instead of you know going to work every day and having to like earn money to keep a house and stay grounded in one place and find a person and deal with the pressure of society fuck all that i'll just walk around and smoke and camp places so after that guy she starts wandering again all this time, she's, like, hiding from the police because she, like, doesn't have her ID. Yeah, and, and they'll throw her in jail yeah. if they catch her. Because police hate homeless people. Yep. Um, in, I guess, every country. Uh, but she's, like, hiding from them. She's looking around. Uh, she gets picked up by uh, somebody. They drop her off at, like, a farm, I believe, is the next yeah. real sequence. Um, um and there's this, like, farmer. He was he has, like, a master's degree in philosophy, but he's like, I became a farmer. <laughs> yeah, he, you could tell that he went through, like, kind of a similar period to Mona. Yeah, they're they're pretty similar people. But he, he, like, wants he to chose, like, a, a middle road in between yeah. the two lives. So he lives like, there with, like, I think that's his wife. Uh, yeah, he's got a wife and kid. Kid, yeah. And he's like, well, the road, the freedom was nice, but it was very lonely. And they have, they're they're goat herders. Yeah. So I just chose a life that's like the road, but it's a little bit more sociable, less lonely. 
And she's like, I fucking hate people. But I wish I could grow potatoes. And he's like, oh, I can give you, like, some land and you can grow some. Yeah, he's like, really? Not. He's like, I'll, I'll help you. But um, and she, at first they just let her, like, stay on the couch. And then they give her, like, their, her own little, like, camper thing. Yeah. And then she just, like, doesn't do the work. Yeah, she just chills in her camper all the time and smokes cigarettes. And then he's like... And he's like, what the fuck are you up to? And she's like, I fucked up. And this is when she reveals, like, you know, I used to be a secretary. But that life, I don't like people. I don't like doing jobs. I just want to be alone. I don't have aspirations, and that's okay. Yeah, I, which I do agree with that sentiment. Like, yeah. And there's a line that I really liked here where she's like, you know, I didn't leave my regular life and like because i didn't want to work for a boss in society why would i want to work for a boss on the road you know yeah i didn't i didn't come here to work for another boss kind of thing. yeah and you know it's they're, they're pretty similar people but they're at odds not just because he chose the middle road but because she's so like she's young she's like She's, she's 18, young and like, she's on a destructive yeah. path. Yeah, and she's like trying to figure out who she is and obviously a lot of people won't let her do that because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of an inconvenience for them, but, you know, they have the space. And yeah. He's like, nope. But she she pretty much leaves. She's like, fuck, I'm out of here. Yeah. And she's she out. She's outy. So she leaves and then is this around the time when she gets picked up by the college Professor, the 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 fucking lady who loves trees. Yeah, yeah. Professor researching trees. I can't remember her name, but she's she's like a pretty well off woman, and she's like, you know, when I first picked her up, she was very very stinky. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she's she's she seems like a pretty bougie lady that like wouldn't like her, but they start like talking and they really connect. And then she's she like, just keeps like, stopping and, like, picking up, like, food. And she's like, I got to go to this conference, but you can just stay in the car. You can just sleep in here. She pretty much just lives in her car without really moving for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and they, like, become friends. She buys her things. She's like, you know, by the time, like, we got to know each other, I didn't even care about the sink anymore. Yeah. Um, and she's uh, researching trees, specifically ones that got infected by, uh, like, crates that came from the U.S. in World War II mm -hmm. that had, like, some disease. I learned stuff from this movie. I'm like, that's the thing? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so they were trying to, like, mend the trees. They were trying to cure them of this disease. Yeah. And she meets up with her, like, st old student. Uh, the worst person ever. Yeah, evil man. What was his name? Jean-Pierre? I think it was Jean-Pierre. Yeah, but, uh... And he's like... She's like, do I scare you? And he just doesn't say anything. Um, but yes. eventually, they do have to part ways. Yeah, she's like, all right, I gotta go home. I gotta drop you off. So she drops her off in this, like, little woodsy area. And... Uh, yep. And she gets... There's somebody that's been following her, at least, like, from the beginning of the woods. And yeah. She gets, uh... Raped. Yeah. It just shows him, like, jump on her and be like, you want some company? And she's, like, screaming no, and then it just cuts the next scene. And, she's and this, like, and this is kind of like... They never, like, bring up the rape again, but this is kind of the turning point. In yeah, because, like, the, for, for quite a bit of the movie, it's kind of like... 
uh, kind of jovial in nature. It's like she's kind of easygoing. She doesn't get along with men, but yeah, a lot of the women, she's like, has a good time. She's like trying hard and then this happens and everything just starts going to shit. And mm-hmm. All the men just start being assholes. She meets a Tunisian uh, vineyard worker who like uh, trims like the vines and stuff. Yeah. I felt, and- I felt really bad for this guy because it's like, oof. Because it's not even necessarily his fault I what mean, went down. It, it kind of is. He didn't do it. He's like all... He's like all... So what happens is this guy, uh, fucking Asun, I believe his name was. Yeah. Uh, he he meets her. Um, she's like, hey, can I have some water? He's like, sure. Here, you can also work with me if you want. And he's just really nice right at the beginning. And he's like, listen, sir, when I do a vineyard, I get a flat rate of like 900 francs. Um, so if you wanted to help me, we can like split it because it's just about the vineyard being done. That's like, we could just do it faster. And she's like, okay. So she starts doing it and they start like kind of getting roaming romantic. And she, she actually kind of seems to fall for it. And she kind of likes the job too. Like she's enjoying it as she gets going and they're, they're like kind of sweet. I'm like, I like this guy. Yeah. And then, uh, the guy that, like, re- provides them uh, room is, like, they're not going to let her stay in regards to, like, the people that come, like, in a few weeks or something. Yeah, because a bunch of the like, people so this, have these, gone on yeah, holiday. Yeah, so these other, like, I think they're all Tunisian. They, like, show up and they're like, no, we don't want her. And she's like, what the fuck? You said you were going to, like, fight for me. And he, like, just doesn't. <laughs> like, I get that there's a lot of people, but he could have just said... Listen, they're not going to let you when they get back. But he, like, promised her. He's like, I'll protect you. I'll help you. You can work here. And then he immediately is like, they're not going to let you stay. Here, I got a car to drive you. Like, I I felt. Yeah, if if I I was this guy, I would have been like, I'll go on the road with you and we'll go find a different place to work. We could have just at least tried a little harder. But he like, he's like, don't, I'm going back in. I'm going to go argue. And then like five seconds later, he comes back. He's like, ah, they said no again. Like, he doesn't actually like fight for her in any way, it seems. Yeah. It just seems like he's a a bit of a coward. (laughs) I definitely see your point, but. I thought I thought he was a good character, like a well written character. Yeah. Though I like him. It's like very, very realistic because it's like you really can't argue against like six other people who are all just unanimous. Like no, 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 no women, no women, no women. So, so he so drops her off at. Does he drop? Is he actually? Is this when the rape happens? I'm pretty sure the rape happens before this. Okay, well, he drops her off somewhere. Maybe the train station? Because then this is when she just starts kind of living at the train station. Or, I don't know if it's... I think it's a train station. It's some kind of station. Yeah. Um, Um, She starts, like, living here, just kind of on the bench. uh, And then she, like, meets some guy. She starts, like, making out with him. And he's like, hey... You'll do good in the yeah. pornos, baby. Yeah, he's, he pretty much wants to make her a prostitute. Yeah. And then she just kind of is like, bye. <laughs> well, it seems like she was totally down for that. And while the, while all of this is happening, there's a couple things that happen. While they're at the station, they get like shit-faced, drunk, and, uh, and something that happened earlier in the movie that we kind of skimmed over. 
Um, it was like an in-between part. Yeah, um, the professor. The professor gets like shocked at one point. She's like grabs onto like a lamp or like electrical lights by the mirror. Something happens when she's in the bathroom and she's being shocked. Mm. And in that time, her life flashes before her she's eyes. She's like, I need her back. She's like, I can't stop thinking about it. Like when my life is flashing before my eyes, the girl just kept appearing. And I just, I feel so bad. I just left her out there. I didn't even, I don't even know her name. Please go out and look for this girl for me. And then that leads to this scene where he's at the train station and he gets on the phone and he calls somebody else. And he's like, I found the girl, but I'm not going to tell the professor that I found her because she's drunk. And she asked me she's if... stinky. I, she does scare me. Yeah, she does scare me. But not because of her character or anything, but because she absolutely repulses me. Oh, we... We skipped the grandma! Yolande, yeah. Oh, the so, best yeah. fucking scene in the movie. I love this old lady. Okay, so before this, I think it was... Uh, it's, it, it's probably like in between the guy who just dumped her and the train station. Maybe. I, it's I, it's I, somewhere around here, but yeah. um, the the lady, Yolande, who's like a housekeeper for this old woman and was... She, she was the one who saw her, like, sleeping. Yeah, and she's and like, oh, I need, I need her to come with me. Because she's just very lonely, so she brings her here to, like, this old lady's apartment. She's like, you'll live here and you'll keep me company. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, I need to go buy groceries. So you just watch this old lady. So she's like pretending to be Yolande because this old lady has like really bad eyesight. Yeah. And she's just like walks in. He's just like, hey, do this, do this. And she just starts drinking the brandy instead. And she walks over and you're like, you're not Yolande. Who are you? And she's like, I'm Mona. And then she's like, how are you, old lady? Yeah, and she's, she's, you know, she's nice. She's obviously giving this old lady, like, conversation she hasn't had with anyone she's in, like, several just, years. She's just she's being about, real like, with her, actually. Yeah, she, like, pulled, because the thing that, like, brings her over, she's like, who's this in this picture? Oh, you want some wine? It's actually brandy. And then they just get drunk together. And they're and, just, like, laughing. She's and she's like, like, oh, my nephew comes over all the time with the flowers. And he just wants this fucking house. But I don't but, say a single thing yeah, about it. Yeah, because it's, like, it's funny because he just says the same thing. Like, oh, you're looking so good in such good <laughs> shape. And uh, it's Jean-Pierre. Yeah. I like that pretty much all the characters, like, have some sort of intersection. Like, most of them, at least. Except, like, the goat herders. But even then, they, like walk through, like, the woods that she's close to. Like, everything pretty much is interconnected in some way, and I love films like that. Mm. Um, (laughs) But uh, Yolan gets back, and she's like, you're, you, she's, like, is afraid that she's, like, stealing her job, and she's getting along better with old lady than she does, so she, like, kicks her out immediately. Yeah. And then pretty much right after Jean-Pierre shows up with his, like, girlfriend, or his wife, and they're just like, you're out. You have one week. Your because they stole shit. Well, know. and they also know that their boyfriend, her boyfriend's like staying there. Yeah. And that's not allowed. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and then he's like, Grandma, how are you? You're looking in fine shape. And she just starts like laughing. She's like, you're looking in fine shape. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I do love her. Um, and then, okay, jumping back to where we were. When he sees her at the train station, he's like, I'm not going to tell anyone that I saw her here. And then we get to the point where she goes back with the guy who's like, you're going to be a great prostitute and porno actress. You're a great fuck. This was, uh, this was right. I realized that the, 
Yolande stuff was right before uh, the train station. The train, because she yeah. has those silver spoons that she tries ah, to sell. Ah, that makes sense, yeah. She lifted some spoons. She's, like, a pretty, like, nice person in some regards. She's very, like... She's obviously very cynical and stuff, but yeah. she, but and she also lifts things from people. Like she steals bread from like the farmers and stuff, but she never like steals. It's it's pretty obvious she's stealing Small out stuff. of necessity yeah. too. Um, it's not like she goes and steals like the most expensive thing in the house. Just something that can get a little little jingle in her jangle, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she ends up like going back to whatever place they're staying at, and then. A fire gets started, and she basically like she's like yeah because oh, uh, her the guy that was uh, with her earlier yeah the vagabond that like she was staying with that's that was the same guy oh. he shows back up and he like gets an argument with somebody else that's like living in this place and like a lamp falls over and lights on fire and she like wakes up and there's like a fire she's like ah yeah so she <laughs> so just she runs grabs away yeah she gra- she doesn't even grab all her stuff really yeah. Um, She's missing a couple things, but she, like, gets out of there. And, and then, then she just starts wandering. And then she f- she kind of gets to the point. She stays in, like, this place for a little while. It's, it seems like she's very low on food. She's very hungry. So she, she goes out, and there's this guy. She's like, I need bread. And he's like, I don't have any. Town of town. There. So she goes to the town. And there's a she, festival going on yeah. that she was unaware of. And she where, just gets assaulted by paint. Well, no, it's wine. Oh, it's wine. Yeah, okay. it's wine. Because they it, say it, it at the very beginning as well. Like, she's oh, like, okay. She was covered in, like, dried wine. Oh, okay. Uh, it looked pretty thick on, like, yeah. the version I was watching. So, because, uh, like, it's like the two dudes in the wheel. Well, it might it might have just been, like, grapes as well. Like, mushed up grapes. Uh, yeah, that. Well. Like, that but there, there are people, like, dressed up as, like... Great monsters? Great monsters, pretty much. And they're like, I don't know what kind of fucking festival this was, but they're pretty much like, everyone's like closing their doors right as she gets in. And then there are people like running around like throwing grapes and shit at people. European. And like, she has no idea what's happening. So she's like screaming. She thinks she's being assaulted again. Like, this yeah. is this is the only thing that like directly correlates yeah, with assault. Because like, there's this random man that's like attacking her pretty much and she has no idea what's happening. So she like locks herself in a phone booth and is just like screaming and it looks like she's on the verge of tears. And like, even though this seems like somewhat comical and it's like idea, it's like really sad. Yeah. But now... She once she kind of like gets the idea that it because the guys because at first they were like all pounding on the like phone booth and then after like a couple seconds they all like disperse and go throw wine at other people and then she kind of gets the idea it's like oh this is like a festivity of some sort and then she kind of wanders away but her clothes are wet her clothes are wet including a like blanket she's been using yeah um so she's like really fucking cold and she keeps wandering out into the like a vineyard and then she just falls trips. yeah she trips on something and she like can't get up it's cold and you gotta remember like her you know it's cold outside and now everything on her's wet so it's yeah. getting colder and then she she just dies she, yeah she just like faints like pretty much immediately dies of hypothermia throughout her sleep pretty much man this movie's really fucking sad yeah like, like, like that, that first half, like, wasn't, it was, like, kind of nice, and, like, and then everything just goes to shit. That's all fucking John Pierre's fault. Yeah, fucking, like, if he, literally, she probably, she, that professor probably would have been like, hey, dude, just kind of, like, lesbian vibes going on there. I, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, they're gonna fuck? <laughs> like, I, I, 
I like to just picture this movie ends in that alternate reality where John Pierre wasn't a dick and he's like, yeah, she's here at the station and the professor comes in and she's like, hey, it's me. Come, you want to come stay in my car permanently or maybe even my house? My car permanently? You want to live it? You want to be my car goblin? <laughs> um, you know, I can, if you want to come back to society, I can fix you up a little bit or if you just want to chill in my house and keep me company... I really, really like the music in this movie. Yeah, the music's good. I really like the music in this movie and Uncle Yonko the best. I forgot to mention, the Uncle Yonko's soundtrack is just like, bah, 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 bah. it's yeah. really fun. But this, the music in this is really good. Mm-hmm. Especially like the final scene where she's like dying. It's like, oh! Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, this movie's fucking sad. And then she dies and that's, it just ends there, doesn't it? Uh, it might have. Yeah, they do. They do like one more. Like throughout this whole thing, they've been doing like documentary moments with like yeah. some of these characters like talking about her, and it's that same thing of like reflections of things. I remember they like show like the people's faces who interacted with her, and this is why I felt bad for the one guy because it shows him with like the scarf around his neck, and he just looks fucking like mortified. He's just like, oh man, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, you did, and now she's dead. Yeah, no, it's it's brutal. So it's, it's a brutal fucking movie, and it deals with so many. Fu- this it's this is a dense fucking movie. Too. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind, kind of a lot of fucking. the road of isolation. It's like you can you only can go so far on it before you reach that kind of point of no return, where it's like people just kind of like I don't know. It's like. Once you reach a certain point, people just look at you and, like, assume, like, oh, yeah, you know, that person just wants to be isolated. And then you're kind of, like, stuck in that life almost. And it's very, like, just a self-destructive path. It's kind of, like, the, the major vibes I got from, like, the movie, you know? Yeah, I felt that. And they talk about... They talk about the aspects of uh, mise en scene oh, yeah. in the Beaches of Agnes, but I think it's most prevalent in... I don't use the term a lot because I don't want to sound like I'm pretentious. Well, I mean, it's a <laughs> it's, it's a pretty common term. Well, it's like, out of like the main things that you talk about in the film, it's probably the most uncommon, but it's like... It's it's like the... I, I think... the I, it's, it's the most common of the least common. <laughs> I'd say it's very common. Like, it's even in used in, like, big blockbusters. It's just that most people wouldn't attach that name to it. Because, I mean, what yeah. it is is establishing... It's the way that, like... The details that you can infer a lot more yeah. through. And this is, like... There's a lot of visual storytelling in this film. And there's a lot of, like... Like, you piece together who this person is. Not necessarily by what she does, but what she doesn't do. I think this film has a really strong sense of that. Mm. Like, you know, there's a, the themes, like, are, there's so many. They're like, like I said, this is a fucking dense movie. Yeah. That's why I liked it so much. Like, it's an hour and like 46 minutes or something. And it's like, so packed full of like, so much character and sadness. Yeah. And I love sad movies, but this movie was fucking brutal to me. I was just like, oh. yeah, like this is definitely the one that left the biggest impact on me. Like, um, I like I watched it 
the day before yesterday, and I've been thinking about it, like, ever since. Yeah. I've just been like, damn. Like, I'll just see that Brie Larson-looking face in my mind, and I'm just, I get sad. I'm like, yeah, I just wanted you to win. And she's so good in it, too. Like, I yeah, no, really, really like the performances job. in this movie. She's fantastic. But I also like the, the professor in this is really good. Mm-hmm. I also really like the, uh, the goat herder guy. Yeah, lost. I, I like all the. Like, yeah, I, I think all the characters are really well written in this movie, and pretty much all of them are well performed, in my opinion. I can't yeah. think of like a bad performance in this movie. There might be some that are just kind of like average, but that's like the worst you'll find. And I also really like that pretty much everyone in this movie somehow like is a part of her too. Like every character is somewhat relatable to her. Like Yolande, even though she thinks like. Oh, she's in the perfect relationship. This character, like, every relationship she's in ends in, like, disaster, pretty much. Oh, yeah. And it's the same thing. Uh, the goat herder guy, they were both wanderers for a bit. The uh, Tunisian guy, uh, obviously it isn't the same thing, but he's, like, a foreigner. So he's obviously been ridiculed like through racism and stuff and they talk about that just briefly but she's, mm. it's the same thing with like the sexism that's why it's so fucking sad when like she's kicked out for being like a woman yeah when it's obvious that like he's had struggles because he's like not white yeah um the same thing with Yolan's boyfriend like I thought that was a really good parallel because he's like stealing things for profit while she's stealing things for necessity mm-hmm like, like I just, I just, oh, I fucking love this movie because like all the characters line up really well with who she is, and I really like how like they see parallels as well, but they see it in like the exact opposite ways. Even like Jean Pierre's character, it's interesting because it feels like it's not only like he does, he doesn't just think she's like stinky and like a loser and stuff. But no, it's also it's like, like she like challenges every sort of like idea that he has. Yeah, and also like it's obvious that he loves the affection he gets from like his old teacher and stuff. Like yeah, they, they're, they're like best friends at he, one point. Yeah, he'd be very like jealous if yeah. she came and ate a lot of that up. A uh, ten for me. Oh, it's a 10 for me, too. <laughs> so, okay. I got this one wrong, I think. Because, like, I was I was worried that, like, you might not like this because Hina Tail, like, didn't like it at all. Oh, no, I was I, like, this, I was like, this well, is what definitely if, my favorite. What if, like, what if I'm, like, wrong and this movie's not actually, like, as good as I think? <laughs> or this is definitely the best of the bunch. Yeah. Ooh, I might just watch it again soon. <laughs> I probably will, honestly. Okay. Um... What are you looking for? I lost my ranking paper. The fuck? Is this it? No. There's not. Oh. What the f- Hold on, everybody. I'm checking what Thomas did with his fucking ranking paper. Thomas, where did you put it? I don't know. <laughs> Is that it? Maybe. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, we found it, everyone. Okay. I'll Next just up. That. There. <laughs> Beaches of Agnes. Also a pretty sad one in the half last half. Yeah. So what's interesting is um this one, you always assume that like the later parts of life, like the most latest part, will be like the saddest, the most contemplative of death. 
but Faces Places, jumping ahead a bit, is more jovial in nature. Like, she's already accepted her fate, mostly. Yeah. Um, and, and it's mostly this one where she's fun, like... Fun fact, I probably wouldn't have picked Faces Places, because here is why I picked Faces Places. Because I... Because I was like, oh, Faces Places, because I remember when she died. Like, I remember, like, mm-hmm. the time she died. That was the movie that was coming out over here at the time. And I was like, oh, this is her, like, final movie. But well, there was another documentary. Yeah, but there was another documentary afterwards. And if I had known that, I probably would have picked that because I was trying to pick, like, a good, like, end, bookend of her life kind of deal, which is why I chose Faces Places. You want to do Varda by Agnes, that one? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't I, realize I that think, I, I actually, I'll, I'll talk when we talk about Faces Places, I actually think that's a great end point for this, this one we did. I, I did enjoy Faces Places. I'm not, like, mad that I picked it or anything. <laughs> Fuck JR, I hate him. No. Um, why, God, why was he such an asshole about the glasses the whole movie? <laughs> it's like Godard's son. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but the beaches of Agnes, uh, yeah. So there's a lot that happens in this movie. Yeah. We're not going to talk about all of it. We're just going to kind of hit the like high highlights because this movie is kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a documentary about her life. Um, the movie starts on a beach that she like spent a lot of time on when she was like growing up. Um, and she's got a bunch of mirrors there because she really likes mirrors. And <laughs> it's like, what? She likes mirrors? What? I couldn't tell from I, Cleo. Yeah, from Cleo. Um, so, and then she like kind of like talks about the mirrors. She like shows the people who brought the mirrors onto the beach. She does that a lot. She'll be like, here are the people who helped me with this part. Let me just pay my tributes to them. And she'll, like, show them on camera and be like... Yeah, yeah. she's like, I didn't get my cameraman. I feel so bad, but here's his name. You can tell that she's a person who very much likes capturing everything on yeah. camera. And it's just... I, I think I love Varda's film so much because she, like, so obviously cares about everyone that works on it. Oh, yeah. Like... She's very, very... She feels like... And it feels like she thinks, like... There's, there's directors that feel like it's their sole vision, and she feels like she's a director that's like, no, this is a product that we made together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... I, I, I definitely I like that more in a director. I don't want a director to just be like, I'm a genius! And I don't think Varda ever... like. I, I, think, I, she was, I think it's case-by-case case basis. Like, um, it depends, because then... I won't say I like a brand of director over another. Um, well, I mean, I'm fine with people like that. I just don't like people that are so obvious about it, I guess. Well, I I, I don't know. I don't want to, like, start a debate over this. But, um, like, I, I like auteurs. And it's very much, like, part of that culture for, like, mm-hmm. to have the main visionary. And I think it's important that if you're a director and that's the kind of film you want to make... Well, no, I'm not saying that, but I feel like even with auteurs, like they, some some people like forget that they're not the only one making them film. And yeah, that, I, that's the only thing. If you're like, like an asshole, do you like? Yeah, that's girl. what I'm talking about. I'm just like I like it because she's not an asshole. And yeah, she, like she like because she's I I would say like a fucking genius in a lot of cases. Like a lot of these movies, I'm like what the. Fuck? 
there's some really, really great stuff. And I think it comes out from her, like, not being, like, really aware of cinema, like, at all yeah. in her early life. They talk about in The Beach of the We'll yeah, just she, jump she around a lot. Like, yeah, she said, I'd only maybe. seen 10 movies by, like, 25. Yeah. And she made, like, Cleo by the time she was 34. So she couldn't have seen, like, that many movies because she just started making them. Yeah. Like, she first was, like, a photographer, and she's like, what if I put this in cinema? Like, so she has a very different view of, like, making films than other people, and I think that really helps her. It mm. makes things feel, like, new. Yeah. Definitely gives it its own, like, unique voice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this whole, like, little first part of the film is kind of, like, her humble beginnings, you know? We get a sense of, like, her childhood. She grew up the third of five children. Uh, and she, because she was, like, the youngest of, like, the first three, but, like, the oldest of the final three, she felt like this gave her her own identity, like, compared to, like, the groupings. Like, she kind of felt like the odd one in the middle, and which made her, like, more independent and her tastes more unique, um, and she also had, like, a second family that she would go and spend, like, summers with when she was, like, a little bit older. Her father dropped dead after losing at the casino. Um, and then she later found out that he was Greek, and then that leads into yeah. the whole, like, Uncle Yonko stuff, which she brings up in this movie. Yeah, they talk about Uncle Yonko, and they talk about Cleo, and mostly and vagabond those yeah, are like they, the three big ones they talk about yeah they mention a couple others like here and there but yeah like the first like, film she made and yeah but they don't like dive like super deep into like any of them she um, just kind of wants to she talks about more of like her experience in making them more than like the content of them yeah um she talks about how she likes old ladies she's like I like old ladies I like old people she was a naked old lady. Is that the naked old lady from Vagabond? Is that the same old lady? Um, I don't know. I know that's not, like, a shot from Vagabond. Oh, yeah. But, but it might but, be the same lady. I couldn't tell you. Kind of sexy. Um, but, yeah, so... She grew up, didn't watch very many movies. She was into photography, and she would, like, go around and take pictures of people, and she'd, like hear their stories and then she's like oh man I really want to like put this into film and then she like read that Robert Robert Faulkner is that the name of the author who wrote that novel that was like the dual narratives where it's like scene by scene focusing on two different stories which inspired her first film um Point Court or what whatever it's called um, which focuses on a couple who live in the town and then it alternates with scenes of a fisherman who also lives in the town. And the only thing that the two plots have in common are the fact that they take place in the same setting. Um, and then she kind of like, there's like a point where she uh, gets the chance to like go back and look at her childhood home but you you can tell that she's not a person who's like very nostalgic of her childhood. Um, she she straight yeah she says, says so. it. They're like, "Do you miss your child?" She's like, "No, fuck that." Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. 
And she's like, yeah, I didn't really feel anything going back to the house. But there's, there was one time where I came back to this town and it did feel pretty great. And it was pretty much after like my first film. Yeah. Where she got to go stay in the big hotel that was <coughs> by uh, some guy who I think is the guy who helped her make, who like helped get the recommendation for Cleo. It might not have been, but mm. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, and then... Uh, the trains. She meets that that guy. Oh yeah, the, the dude, childhood the, home. Yeah, they're just a guy with trains, like a bunch of model trains. Yeah, he's a big like. like uh, he was like a train doctor. Expert. Yeah. He has a bunch of model trains. I had to check the conversion rate because he's like it was eighty thousand francs. I'm like, how much is that? It's like two grand. Dang. Which is, you know, I was just like, okay, two grand's a lot, but. For a hobby, I, I, I'm used to things like that. Yeah, it's not... Magic the not, Gathering has $1,000 cards as well, you know? Yeah. Oh. Um, so, yeah, and then she talks about, like, there's, like, a period of time, like, during... Because she had to leave the house during the war, in which they went and lived on a boat. Yeah. And then she's... She, is this the part where she's, like, sailing on her little boat? Um... No, that's when she's talking about a job she got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but weird scene, but apparently there was like a neighborhood flasher that yeah. no one ever did anything <laughs> yeah. about. And they're like, like, we just left them alone. And yeah, we really didn't pay I love. I really them. love the way they like recreate the scenes. Like her mother just like so, and then like her and her sisters and brother like running around. Yeah. I really like the the young like woman that they have play like her like young oh, version when, later when on. She's like yeah, or when, like like eighteen teens, to twenties kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it looked a decent amount yeah. like her. Um, but uh, yeah. So I like how Varda had the same haircut her entire life. I know it's great. <laughs> I, I wasn't it. like a big fan of the haircut. No, I until love. she was old, and I'm like, now it looks good. Especially when she's like, now it's like I have a little hat because she like dyes Dyes-ish. it white, yeah. so it's like. Oh well, I figured her hair was white, but she dyed like the bottom of it. Right? I don't know. It's like a weird white, though. It, maybe. I mean, she was like eighty. Yeah. So who, who knows? I can't say for certain. Um. But I, I think actually, wait, I'm, I'm pretty sure they bring that up in face places because she's like, he's like, why do you put some color in her head? And she's like, I can't, I can't just go like white. That would be too normal. I have to do something. I like color. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically she just kind of like makes movies. She talks about like her fucking happy experience taking a picture of Jean-Luc Godard without his fucking shades on. And then, um, pretty much, like, the main point beyond that is, uh, in 1958, at, I think it's a festival she meets him at, but she meets her husband, uh, Jacques, uh, I can't remember his last name. Jacques Remy. Remy. And then a, a year later, they moved in together. 
It's so sad hearing her talk about him. Yeah. Because he dies, like, he died in, like, 1990. 1990. Yeah, so. Yeah, and he died of AIDS, so they couldn't, like, because of the stigma against AIDS at that point, they felt like they really couldn't, like, really be honest about, like, the disease he was yeah. going through, because it was viewed as, like, a very, like, shameful thing back then. Yeah. Do- it, there's, it's still, like, in a lot of circles, it still is. Yeah, it's like that. Okay, A, drop the homophobic bullshit, and B, even if you hold that, like, philophobia, it's not homosexual exclusive. There's other yeah, ways of getting it. Straight, there are thousands of straight people. Yeah, exactly. Millions, even. It's like, what? You can get it through, like, norm, like, you like, can get it through, through like heterosexual a bunch sex, of stuff. needles, like all sorts of different various ways. Um, bad blood transfusion. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So basically, she has a couple kids with him. Uh, yeah, Matthew and Rosalie. Yeah. Who Rosalie was the uh, like the producer on Faces Places. Ah, okay. Um, she grew up to be, like, what, a set designer? Is that what they said? I think so. And then Somewhere. Matthew grew up to be an actor. Yeah, Matthew's an actor. Uh, and then uh, basically just kind of cutting, trimming through, like, the fat here. Uh, there's a part where she dresses up as a potato. Dank. Love fat. Um, what was that for? I don't remember. She was There's a lot like, of like really. She, it was like an art installation, and she's like, "Well, I wanted to get more people to come, so I dressed as a potato." And I was like, I w- "You go!" And she's like eighty years old, walking around as a potato. It's like, oh, you're so pure, Agnes. I love you. Um, and then. Uh, she kind of talks about the period before her husband died. He, he was getting ill and he started writing like memoirs based on his life. And she read them and she was like, wow, this would make a great film. And he's like, I want you to make this film. She's like, are, are you sure? So she went and like made the movie like, based on his wow, life. And, he was just, and it shows like footage of him just like holding her hand while she's making yeah. it. Like, oh. And then she like returned like finish shooting uh and then she like spent the rest of her time with him and then he dies 10 days after shooting ends yeah and then she she talks about like she got like various shots of him through the dying process because she just needed she needed like you to need, remember him and yeah. then so it, you know it's part of yeah. the grieving process like oof but, yeah, uh, but anytime she talked about Jacques, it was just so sad. Like, you'd hear the pain in her voice. Yeah. And that's that's where, like, most of her, like, fear of death came from, you know? And that's, that's the biggest thing that pissed me off about fucking Jean-Luc Godard and Bass's Places. Jumping ahead here. Because it's not bad enough that he, like, just, like, fucking skipped out on, like, meeting her one last time. But he, like intentionally like left that reference to Jacques and she's like oh he knows I'm probably thinking of Jacques she's like I've got terribly mixed feelings on this I like you but you're a dirty rat (laughs) and it's just like oh man but um yeah and then she celebrates her 80th birthday and she gets 80 brooms 
Because uh, that's how. Because that's like a yeah. slang term in French, like for years. Uh, yeah, age. Eighty brooms before them are like toilet brushes. Oh, but <laughs> I, I really like a lot of the setups in this movie. Like the how they just in, randomly in a street, they just set up a beach where she has like all her employees oh, yeah. just sitting typing. Um. Yeah. There's there's lots of like little scenes that like, I love the whale scene. Where she, like, they set up a big, like, tent, and then they cut back to it, and she's on the beach, and it's, like, designed to look like a whale, and she's just, like, sitting inside it. There's a lot of just Um, fun scenes. I like they're talking about, like, when they were making one of her movies, um, and they came across, like, they're in a motel, and there's, like, this random couple that they found arguing, and they're like, hey, do you mind the camera? And they're like, "Ah, whatever. film them. They just film them and put them in the movie and have the main character walk by this just like a very real like altercation. And it's just like oh my god. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just like lots of like good little moments like that. Like the potato scene. I want to watch that movie with that she did. I think it's called like 101 Nights with Robert De Niro in it. I don't know if you saw him. Oh, um, it was like in a boat. It was a. It was one of the English films. It was about the guy that was like a uh, Mister Cinema or Mister Movie or whatever. No, I don't. It was like a hundred years old. I don't recall that part, but I do recall the part where uh, she's one of the main launchers of Harrison Ford's career. <laughs> yeah. She what? She tried to cast him, and then like the casting directors told him, like, "Ah, you're never going to be an actor." Something, Something like, like that. that. And he's like, yeah, I don't... <laughs> it, he, she got, like, some, like, interview footage. I don't... He he might, I, think, I think he's also in that movie. He might be. Um, um, yeah, he's in uh, 101 Nights with Robert De Niro's also in that movie. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Which is funny. Like, nobody saw it. It, like, flopped super hard. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah, um, this one's pretty nice. I, I really like this movie, probably because it's sad. <laughs> I love sad movies, but it's just, it, it felt so, like, loving to, like, her husband. I really want to watch that, the the biopic she made of so her. So do I. I also really love the, the poster and the caricature of that guy. I also love that there's one guy that wants to be like, he's like, I don't show my face. So she just puts a cat in front of him. Yeah. Like a big, like a big cat. <laughs> yeah, that's really, was really funny. Because he's like huge. And they make his voice like, it's just really funny. Yeah. And I like the part where it's like a she does like a mini like biopic of like all her friends, like just like mm. a two minute little documentary about them. It's just sweet. I like Agnes Varda because she cares about the common person. Yeah, that's, she tells that's, people, especially like that's why I like Faces Places a lot because she's like, very much about like getting out and remembering like, like the regular people. Yeah, because that's, that's what her origins was. She liked taking pictures of people and hearing their stories and then putting it on film. And I do too. I love stories about regular people. Yeah. That's why I like, I would watch a documentary just about a random guy. 
Yeah. If it was well-made, like if it's a shitty documentary, I don't really want to watch it. But a well-made documentary just about a random guy, I will watch anything. If he loves, like, if he's a biscuit enthusiast, cool. Biscuits. Let's yeah. talk about biscuits for an hour and a half. I love hearing about people's passions. And there's, like, when you look at, like, a lot of celebrities, they're kind of pushed into the same hole of having the same passions just because that's, like, what's popular. Mm. I want to hear about people that are just like, yep, I love collecting biscuits. Yeah. Coin collector. Let's make a movie about a coin collector who lives in Tuscany. There you go. That's my movie idea for next week. Oh, great. A coin collector who's trying to get the last coin, but the only person that has it is a Kim Jong-un. Oh. So he has to go into North Korea. He has to infiltrate and steal the... Just kidding. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun, though. Or he becomes best friends with Kim Jong-un. There you go. And he reunites the two Koreas. Oh, wow. All because he was trying to... <laughs> he was trying to get his coin. And then the boom... It'll be but, like the Forrest Gump of coin collection. No, but the, the coin... Like, he, he reunites the two Koreas, like, during the second act. And then he takes the coin back. And then... North Korea accuses South Korea of it. And he's like, do I return the coin and unite the two Koreas again? And then they find <laughs> out independently and they're like, oh, we're at war with this one guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, the American military agrees to help him, but only at the cost of the coin. <laughs> only at the cost of all his coins. He's just he like, loses it all and is gone. Let's, this is good. I like this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I feel like I was I was pretty much feeling this movie about the same as all other ones, like an eight. But the last half really spoke to me. I think it's just because just because it was sad, probably. <laughs> so I gave this movie a nine. I give this one a seven. That's an eight. Um, yeah, well, my my main reason for it. Um, I like this movie. It's just uh, it's a little all over the place. It's uh. Very sporadic. I kind of liked it. I don't know why. I, I like the. Uh, I like it. It's just. Uh, it's not like my preference. You know what I mean. I feel it. I, I think I just like it because it doesn't feel like most documentaries. It feels. No, I, I. I definitely like take that into consideration because I was thinking about giving it like a six originally, mm. but um, I, I do. I find a lot of it interesting. I like Agnes Barda. I like. I like when she dresses up as a potato. I like that. Um, it, the nine is for that scene It felt alone. very personal, and, you know, it, I did like it, so I gave it a seven. Okay, the final movie we will be talking about today is Faces Places, which is co-directed by Agnes Varda and J.R., yep. who is a photographer slash artist yeah. based out of France whose identity is unconfirmed. That's like one of the reasons he always wears sunglasses and a hat. Mm. But I mean like I'm sure most people like know who he is. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he's probably been doxxed by this point. But it's you know, it's like the unconfirmed thing, just like some band members of certain bands are unconfirmed. But yeah. Uh, you know, it's his persona to be like, I'm JR. <laughs> but he, uh, he has a cool way of doing, like, art that he does, like, 
giant prints of people and he pastes them on like walls and stuff. Yeah. I, I love this like art aesthetic. I think it's fantastic. I mm. really like the look of it. Um, um, yeah. So the movie begins with them explaining ways in which they did not meet. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Agnes Martin dancing on the dance floor, and she's like, <laughs> "Yeah, they're like we didn't meet because this she was like eighty eight at this point." Yeah, she was like I think eighty nine when she died or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think she was eighty seven. I think they say. Um, oh yeah, because it was filmed a little bit before it came out. Um, Weird, and it's like. Yeah, so... Yeah, because she died at 90. She was just about to turn 91. Mm-hmm. Man. If only we lived in the timeline where she lived another... 70,000 years. That'd be nice. <laughs> she became the first immortal person because she's so cool. I'd be okay with that. But she has to always wear the potato costume. <laughs> um. <laughs> the potato gives her immortality. Um... But yeah, so basically, I'm gonna be real quick. Go ahead, you go. Uh, we find out that um, that he like got in contact with her because he was like a fan of her movies, specifically uh, Murmur, which is like a documentary she makes about like murals. Um, so they had like met together and like collabed on like some photography stuff, and then she came to his office and. Yeah, basically they just kind of like hit it off. They really like each other. Um, And they decide to travel to this village and do an art project where they take baguettes and they put them. And it's like they start with a picture of like this woman with a baguette in her mouth. And it like cuts off at like partway through the baguette. And then they have like another person come through and hold up a baguette. And it's like a big, like really long baguette through multiple photos of people holding baguettes, you know. I feel like I've said baguettes a lot in the last 30 seconds. I'm bad at talking. I am so sorry. But, um... So they do this art project, and they, like, paste it on a big wall in this town, and they leave, and they're like, wow, that was cool. And the movie's just them going around different places and doing these different art projects. Um... Let's see. What was the next one that they did? What did you say the first one was? The baguettes. Ah, yes. The baguettes. That was great. Um, The second one... uh, Was it the farmer? I think the farmer might have been, like, the third one. Was it the lady with the hat? It might have been. I guess we don't necessarily have to talk about these in order either. I mean, it's not like there's like a huge character arc. I mean, there there's a minor one, but we can talk about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's just kind of happens. Um, yeah. So one of the ones is they go to this farmer dude. Yeah. And he's just he's, out in the middle of nowhere. He's a handyman, but he's also kind of a narcissist. <laughs> but he's he, he's like, oh yeah, I, I basically like run this farm by myself I because yeah. he, he's like I love technology he has like a tractor that's like the newest and the best tech and he's just like pressing buttons he's like I'm just kind of a passenger at this point yeah uh, so they like take a picture of him and they like paste it to his really big barn and they're like you're gonna be like the star of the town now and he's like I already am <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, but and then he like stands in front of it. He's like kind of like this. Yeah, it's it's even in like a Christ-like place. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, is it? It's just like oh my gosh. Um, and then yeah, there's like a woman that they get wearing like a hat with an umbrella with a parasol. Um, and they like paste it in her town, and she's like, she's like, I didn't think it was gonna be that big. Yeah, People keep like, talking to me like, about. Oh man, I'm really shy. And, and she's like, I'm sorry. I thought you were gonna like it. <laughs> And then, but everyone else in the town is like, we love this. This is great. Oh. Um, and then there's like the one they do with like the dock workers' wives. That one is really cool. Oh, the second one I think was the the miners. The miners, yes. Yeah. They so go there's to the they black go to hills. A, yeah, they, yeah, they go to a uh, uh, like a row of like my, they were originally houses for like miners. Yeah. And everyone's left and the city's trying to like demolish and yeah. rebuild. Kind Jeanette? Of thing. Is that the. I think her name's like Jeanette. Um, and she's like, I'm not leaving. I have too many memories here. And they're not like kicking her out because they understand. They're like, she'll just die. I, if this was America, that bitch would be gone. Yeah. But France? They're like, yeah, you can stay. We get. We. I think it's mostly like the specific part of France as well. I'm sure yeah. there are there are cities in America that like wouldn't let them be kicked out, but not a lot. Um, you like capitalism's worked its way into the small towns around here. Um, but they. So she grew up around like the miners and stuff. Yeah. She was like young, but so they paste a bunch of miners on the, she the talks walls. Um. Like, her dad was a miner, and they used to, like, he used to bring back, like, bread from the mines, and they were like, yeah, we love this bread, because it's from the mines! Like, the mine culture was very big back then. Yeah. Um, but then they paste a giant picture of her on, like, her house. Yeah, and, like, they have a bunch of, like, miners. And she's, like, crying. Yeah, she's very appreciative of it. And then, yeah, there's, like, uh... Yeah, then they do, uh... The, uh lady with parasol they do they do one that's um these the, it's like a portrait of these old people from like probably like 50 years before oh, yeah. or 60 years before they paste it like right outside the balcony yeah and it's like and it shows their like grandchildren i think and they're yeah. like we have a piece of them now and the guy's like we don't mind the mural but you need a permit to use like that lift you got and he's like alright well any, any sort of fine yeah just just put it up at Mrs. License and he's like do you have a license and she's like yes, yeah but I, I don't, don't drive because I'm sensible <laughs> I'm like can't all old people just do that <laughs> maybe once you're 80 just stop driving yeah as soon as as soon as you've got like because your eyesight like rapidly decays yeah like, like you can go blind in like a year yeah if you've got like really really bad eyesight don't drive sorry but safe than sorry yeah um so yeah there's that one they like I brought up earlier they do uh the dock wives the dock workers wives where they yeah, like I really like that one yeah that, that one was one of my favorite ones where cause it's like Agnes is like I want the women. <laughs> yeah, these three dock workers tall. are like, they're nice guys and they're like important, but she's like, we need to talk about the women that are behind them. And that's, that's always been Agnes's message. Like, let's talk about the unspoken heroes. Like, because these women have been supporting these guys, like even when they go on strike and stuff, which like, strikes are great, but you do need people to support you behind yeah. them. And they're always there 
like the unsung hero. Like a high school teacher of mine always used to say, behind every great man is a great woman. Which, I I agree, unless, you know, the great man is gay, then they might just... Or just not asexual or aromantic or... But I guess behind a lot of great men are great women. Yes. Or great men also. Yeah. Or behind a lot of great men are a strong support system, which probably consists of some women. Yes. Boom. And behind every great woman is... More women! More women! Yeah! Lesbians rise up! <laughs> but, um... Yeah, there's that one. I'm trying to think of some of the others. So, the, I really like that one because what they do is they have, like... They, they put it on shipping containers in parts. And then yeah. I really love... They're it's sitting on a shipping day. container, like, just on there. They have these, like, little lawn chair things. Or, like, the fold-out chairs that they, like, set up in a bunch of different places. They're always sitting in the same position, even if they're sitting on, like, those two benches early on. They're always in the same position. Like, slightly too far away from each other. It's very weird, but I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they put it on separate it's shipping containers, and they put it all up, and, and then they, like, they open it up and have Yeah, they open the each. heart area, and they have them sit there, and I'm like, yeah, no, me too. I was like, Ugh. I was like the one lady who was just like, I don't like being alone and I don't like heights. And this is both of them wrapped up into one. But, but the uh, other two are like, I like this. This yeah, makes me feel powerful. Yeah, but it's, it's, I really love the look of it. Yeah, no, it's a great shot. Um, then there's, uh, and I really just like the time lapse of them putting it on. Yeah, stuff. that too. Um, then there's the fish. They do the fish one. Yeah, they do the fish one where they're just like, well, and it's not just the fit because that's the water tower in general. So they yeah. have the workers there. So they have these workers and they're just all like uh, doing poses where they're like reaching one way and then the other people are reaching the other. So they reach together and stuff. Yep. And then uh, there's the abandoned village that they go to yeah. as well. Um, in that In that same section, they do go to a water tower and the fish thing, they put these fish up like plastered against this water tower and Agnes is like now the fish are happy they have somewhere to swim yeah she's <laughs> like what a cute thing to say about a, a paper fish and then he's like do you remember where we got these fish and she's like I don't know and then it cuts to them like at a <laughs> I, I wonder if that was meant to be like a transition or if she legitimately didn't know <laughs> Because, I mean, it, I, it, it seemed it, like she was for Like, she does, even in the beaches of Agnes, she talks about, like, being forgetful and stuff. And yeah. And, I mean, it makes sense why she wants to, like, capture so much stuff. And she does have a line in this movie where she's like, I like to capture as many things so I don't lose it. You know, but, yeah. before they drop into the holes in my memory. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Yeah, they, they go to, like, a fish market, and they're just, like, taking pictures, and like, there's one with, like, a, a big mouth that they're doing. She's like, I love it. It's really gross. Yeah. And then... Um, so they go to that abandoned village. Yeah. Some other things that happen, uh, we go to, like, one of her eye exams. She's got, like, an oh. disease. Which, yeah. <laughs> they're that, like, I'm like, why are you putting that out? <laughs> yeah, that, if that wasn't bad enough, later in the movie they show, like, footage of just, like, an eyeball, like, an old, like, surgical footage of an eyeball being sliced. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they show her, like, getting injected in the eye. And I'm just like, oh, 
Yeah. Like, I already hate needles, like, in a doctor's, like, I had to, like, for my new job, I had to get, like, two needles in me, and I was already, like, ah! Yeah. When I watched that, I'm like, ah! Um, and then, uh, she goes to meet JR's grandmother, and the whole movie, she's harassing JR, she's like, why don't you take off this stupid fucking sunglasses? Yeah, because why are you keeping thing. this part of it's you from like, me? Yeah, it's like, one thing, like... I get it. He wants to keep him on. I, I I get where she's he's coming from as well. But she's like she sees so much similarities in him and like Godard. Like yeah. they're pretty similar. Like from what I know about the two, except I think Jr. is a nicer. Man. Yeah, I was gonna say but, Jr. seems like less of an asshole. Yeah. But like they're the way they like pursue art. I think is kind of similar. Um, and they're both artists, I guess, and they look they do look similar. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's one reason that she like gets along with him so well. Because she does did like love Godard, like as a friend. Yeah. And then he's just, just a fucking asshole. Yeah, lost touch with him. Um I guess he but turned he's, on. he's like, I'm not I'm not gonna take off my sunglasses. And then she meets his grandmother and she's like, Does he always keep these on as well for you? And she's like, Yep. That's always how I see my grandson. I love it. She's like, what do you mean you love him? Yeah. <laughs> then she's like, what did you used to call him? She's like, uh, my little boy or something like that. She's like, well, that's cute, but that's kind of what everyone does. And this lady is obviously like, doesn't remember a lot of things. She's like, I don't remember. And he like reveals that she used to call him my little fellow. And I'm like, that's a really weird thing to say, but I kind of like it. My little fellow. Yeah. <laughs> Can I start calling you my little fellow? No. My big fellow. <laughs> no. Um, my average sized fellow. No, I don't want to be a fellow. Um, the fellowship of the ring. So, yeah, all that happens. And then it, it basically, I think we've talked about all the art exhibits that they did. Or not exhibits, but projects. <coughs> they get on the train. And she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you... To Jean-Luc Godard, I almost yeah. said Picard. She had said she had been, like, in contact with him a bit, like, that he was expecting them. And then they show up to his house, and he's like, no. Yeah, he, like, he wrote, like, a window in the a message in the window being, like, it was, like, a direct quote from, like, one of her movies and then, like, a reference to, like, her dead husband. She's like, he knew this would hurt. Fuck you, Godard. Yeah. And he just, like, doesn't see them. And then they're sitting in a bench, and... Uh, I almost thought it was meant to be, like, he was, like, leading them, like, it was gonna have some contextual clue to, like, because she's like, oh, this is, the like, the restaurant we ate at last time I was here, or whatever, like, that was, like, one of them. Or it's something about a restaurant was one of them. And I was like, maybe he's at that restaurant. No. He's but just... No, he's just, no, he's just an asshole. And she's, she's just super fucking sad, because her... You know, long time friend. Yeah, and she's like, this will, she was like, this might be the last time I see him. Yeah. And it would have been, I think, because I don't think they saw each other and then she died. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to find an answer on that when I looked it up online. Fuck you. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. uh, maybe if he took off his fucking glasses, he would see the bright side of life, like in the silent film. <laughs> he just wears regular glasses now. He took the shades off once he started losing his eyesight. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm gonna rip out his eyes. Um, so. But then JR, like, shows her his uh, face, 
and they like blur it out. Yeah. Uh, they recreate it just like in most of the other ones and they blur it out and he's like, maybe he just wanted to challenge the, he's like trying to make it like better. He's like, maybe he just wanted to challenge the narrative of the film. She's like, yeah, maybe. Or he's just a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then it cuts to like a, it, it shows them and then it's like fades out into like an animated version of them and the credits roll. Yeah. I think we went through pretty much all the the people they see. I think we did. But there, there's a couple other scenes where they're like in a graveyard. She talks about like she's yeah. not really afraid of death anymore. And I I think that's interesting because she kind of obviously isn't beach, the beaches of Agnes. Like at least it's pretty. And it's nice to see that like by the time she was almost out, she was ready to go. Yeah. I can't wait to watch her final documentary yeah. and see if that stuck around or if she got I fucking hope she wasn't just like I don't want to do I hope JR is in uh, that fight I really like JR so do I like I feel like he was a I loved I loved like how they interacted with each other and like the the playfulness of everything Um, oh we totally forgot uh, the fucking fallen bunker one on the beach the, the oh, side. yeah, yeah, So, yeah, at yeah, one yeah. point, um, in World War II, there was these German bunkers on, like, the beaches that were set up. And uh, this village, after World War II ended, like, pushed one off the side because it was already, like, falling over. And they're like, this will hurt somebody. So, they pushed it over and it landed. And it, like, landed on its side. And it was, like, stuck there. So, like, we're just going to put something on there. So, they put... Um, one of the first, like, guys she really photographed, like, one mm-hmm. of her good friends. And uh, she talks about, like, like respecting him and, like, remembering him. Yeah, like, that, and when they go to the graveyard, they're visiting his grave. Yeah, somebody else's. and then they, they put him up, because it was, the original picture of him was him, like, sitting. So they had him, like, sitting diagonally. We referenced yeah. much, much earlier in this episode a part where she said both... Where he's like, oh, you just like naked men, don't you? Uh, that was this part. Yeah. The picture they were like looking at, he's naked. Yeah. But he's like sitting there and then they come back the next day and it's gone. Yeah. And it was because they talk about how his work's always temporary. But this one, like, because the sea was right there and the wind was harsh, it, it erased much quicker. And she's like, that's fine. That's that's his memory was honored and then it's gone. I really like the scene of them sitting on this beach because it's like really windy and it like looks really cool. Yeah, and they're like, oh shit, we're gonna die. We're not gonna be able to finish this documentary. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I I really like this one. I've seen this movie described as like a warm hug before and I kind of feel that. Yeah. It feels just, this feels like the, Probably the most... I feel like a lot of her films are joyous and celebrating just the regular person, but I think this one, out of the six we watched, was probably the most... Either that or, like, Uncle Yonko, but Uncle Yonko was short, so... Oh, my... There, There's one scene I want to mention. I don't remember what it is, but they're, like, in the car, and they're, like, both jamming, and she's, like, singing the lyrics, and she's like, bam, ring that bell or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's the ring the bell song. <laughs> Oh, man, that brought so much joy to my heart. <laughs> yes, it was great. Uh, I also uh, I also love the, the abandoned buildings they go to and they put stuff up. They're, uh, 
Or they also do stuff on um, buildings that haven't been built yet. Or, like, it's just oh, yeah. cinder block. Maybe and Jared's, like, laughing at her. She's, he's like, well, there's so much great She's architecture. Like, Shut and you want to put it on a fucking ugly-ass building? She's like, yes, we have to bring life. Why you always make a fun of me? It's, it's really great, the yeah. interaction there. <laughs> there's, like, another part earlier where someone's like, you two make a great duo. Where did you two meet? And he's like, oh, we met on this online dating site. And she's like, I don't like this joke that you're saying right now. <laughs> Stop teasing it's, me. It's funny because like they, they get along so well and they were like 40 years apart. Yeah. It makes me want to go like befriend an 80 year old. Yeah. So what did you give this one? Mm, I'd probably give this one an 8. I gave it an 8. What a surprise. Wow. Okay. So that's all of them. So... You want to do my ranking first? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I folded it too much. It's barely alive anymore. (laughs) Uh, Damn, my fidgety hands. Uh, If I could get it unfolded. Okay. All right. This is probably way the fuck off. Like I said, this is a total fucking random. Okay. All right. Do you want me to go favorite to least favorite? Sure. Favorite to least favorite. Okay. So I I assumed beaches would be your favorite. Hmm. Um, I guess faces places would be your next favorite. Then vagabond. Then uh, the Black Panthers, Uncle Yonko, and Cleo. All right. Yes, those were all wrong. It was, yeah. but like they were somewhat close. Like Vagabond was first, Beaches was second, Faces Places was third. Okay. So like, if you had just sort of moved, switched right. Vagabond from third to first and moved the other two down, that would have been right. But Cleo's my fourth fourth favorite, and then Black Panthers and Uncle Yonko's my least favorite, mostly just because of the length. Mm. Um, okay. Here's what I thought yours was. I had. I actually had Beaches as your favorite, which oh, is funny. Okay. And then I had Faces Places, and then I had Vagabond, which, wait, that's the exact same thing you just said. And then I had Cleo, Uncle Yonko, and I put Black Panthers as your least favorite. Not because I didn't think you would like it, just because I put okay. it as lowest. Um, my real order was uh, Vagabond at my favorite, Faces Places is my second favorite. Um, Black Panther is my third favorite. Okay. Uncle Yonko as fourth. No. Uh, Cleo as my fourth. Uncle Yonko, then Beaches. Okay, so I, I was pretty close, actually, except for Beaches. Yeah, Beaches here. If I switched Vagabond, uh, I got three right. I'll keep it. <laughs> you got more than I did. <laughs> yeah, so um, you should watch some Agnes Varda. Yeah. She's my fucking. She might. She might be one of my favorite directors. Honestly, all three of the directors we've covered have been like. I'm so glad we've started doing this because they've been fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Maybe next time we'll pick a living director since they've all been dead directors. Yeah. If we had done this like just a year earlier or two years earlier. I miss you. Okay, so what what are we watching for modern pick next next week, Aru? All right, or this week, I guess. This, this is a movie that I haven't watched in a couple years. It's a movie I like, 
but seemingly everyone else hates it. Um, it's a movie from 2012. It's a little movie directed by Ridley Scott called Prometheus. Okay, cool. Figured we, we really haven't done anything kind of like action big blockbuster movies on this podcast so I thought it'd be a nice change of pace okay look let me I forgot not that it's one. a convention I, I had one and now I can't remember what it was so give me one second um I'll just pick something new um okay uh How would you feel about two movies that add up to, like, just a little over three hours together? I could probably do that. Okay. Um, this is by the, the what is it, Mamoru Oshii, the, the guy who did, like, Ghost in the Shell and Angel's Egg and stuff, the okay. anime man. Um, we're going to watch Pat Labor the movie and Pat Labor the movie 2. Hmm... Or just the first one? Well, the reason why I'm... Mm, you want to watch the series first? Yes. Okay. That's that's the series I have on my anime drive that I've been kind of like... I've just heard the second movie's list. like really fucking good. Um, okay. Well, then talk about something while I figure this out. Uh, well, what can I talk about? Um... I'm reading this book currently. I'm not super far into it, but it's called uh, The Price of Salt. It's apparently like an early 1950s like lesbian romance novel. Um, there hasn't been a lot of lesbian romance yet. I'm only on the third chapter, but it's, it's pretty interesting. It's about this uh, woman named Therese who works in a department store part-time and she's like trying to get a job as an actress. Her boyfriend's name is Richard, on the nose, given the, given the material of the book. Uh, he's kind of a dick. I mean, it makes sense as his name. Um, oh, did you, did yeah. you find your pick? Okay, uh, nice. We're doing True Stories by David Byrne. Okay, True Stories. Yeah. Year? 1986. 1986, okay. Uh, you can buy it or rent it from YouTube or Voodoo, and then... What was your pick again? Prometheus? Let's see Prometheus. if you can watch that anywhere. Ridley Scott's a funny man. You can buy it or rent it from YouTube or Voodoo and plenty of other places. All right. Okay, well, thank you guys for watching our episode on Agnes Varda. Go watch your movies. They're fucking epic. Especially Vagabond. Go watch Vagabond. It'll change your fucking life. <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. Bye -bye. Tell your grandma. Tell oh, wait. Agnes Varda. Yeah, tell... Tell Agnes Marta.